Today's episode is brought to you by Geico. Do you own or rent your home? Sure you do. And I bet it can be hard work, but you know, what's easy bundling policies with Geico. Geico makes it easy to bundle your homeowner's insurance or renter's insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing too, because you already have so much to do around the house. Go to Geico.com, get a quote and see how much you could save. It's Geico easy. Visit Geico.com today. That's Geico.com. And we thank them for sponsoring today's podcast. Pardon the interruption, but I wanted to tell you real quickly about two of the best ways to support 83 Weeks. One is to pick up a shirt from ericbischoff.com. Another is to grab a gimmick from boxagimmicks.com. It's the official store of 83 Weeks. Not only does this support the show financially, but you get to show off your fandom to others, helping spread the word about one of the best podcasts around. So check out ericbischoff.com and boxagimmicks.com. And thank you for listening to 83 Weeks. Ladies and gentlemen, I have big news. The coach is coming to ad-free shows. Yes, former WWE and ESPN personality, Jonathan Coachman will be joining adfreeshows.com for a live interactive event where you can ask him the questions on your mind live face-to-face on Zoom on Tuesday, August 31st at 8 p.m. Eastern. But what if I'm not a member? Well, let's change that. Sign up now and you can be a part of this exciting event. Go to adfreeshows.com, choose the tier that's right for you, and find out how you can be a part of this interactive experience. Speaking of exciting events, if that's not enough, Top Guy Weekend is just days away and it's not too late to sign up as a Top Guy to make sure you're part of the next one. The agenda is now set for Labor Day weekend. Talent has been confirmed, and I can assure you, this is a two-day event that will leave our top guys and gals buzzing. So make the commitment now to be a part of the next one. Do it today. Sign up at freeshows.com and find out what all the excitement is about. Hey, before we get going, first of all, I want to thank you guys for listening to the show. We greatly appreciate all of your support. It means a lot to both me and my co-host here. We're working hard to entertain you every single week, but behind the scenes, I'm working hard on something else. I want to share with you. Check out this five-star review from my man, John K up in Raleigh, North Kakalaki. He wrote, I've been a fan of Conrad's podcast for several years, given how home base have skyrocketed in our area in the last 12 months. I wanted to see if a refi that could consolidate our credit card debt was worth exploring. Diane, Brandy, and Bill were an absolute pleasure to work with. This was by far the smoothest mortgage process and fastest closing out of the four I've been through. Thanks to First Family, we were able to refinance to a lower rate and pay off all of our credit card debt. This will save us north of $800 a month. I cannot stress how huge that is for my wife and our two kids. This is the fresh start we've needed. I can't thank the team enough and will recommend First Family to all of my family and friends. Thanks. No, thank you, John. I greatly appreciate your support and thank you for leaving me that review over at conradreviews.com. Don't take my word for it, guys. We make saving money fast and easy. See for yourself what people are saying at conradreviews.com. But then give us a call. Find out how much money you can save for free at 888-425-0105. Yes, that's a toll-free call. Or maybe if you think you have a unique situation, just shoot me an email. Conrad at savewithconrad.com. Or better yet, get a quick quote right now. Find out how much money you can save for free. John saved more than 800 bucks a month. What's your number? How much can you save? Find out at savewithconrad.com. 
NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. Oh, and did I mention we're licensed in more than 40 states? And with rates as low as they are right now, it's not a matter of if we can save you money. It's a matter of how much. Your home is probably worth more than ever before. And this is a once in a lifetime opportunity to use that equity to change your life. Get out of debt faster with cheaper monthly payments and keep more of your own money at SaveWithConrad.com. That's SaveWithConrad.com. Hello and welcome to 83 Weeks with Eric Bischoff, the Hall of Famer. How are you doing this week, Eric? I am doing great, Mr. Bromwell. Doing absolutely fantastic. So you've been on the road a little bit lately, haven't you? I, I, first, I saw the picture with you in the Steelers shirt sitting with the nature boy. That made its way around. Then we heard. Yeah, it, it, yeah and, and the picture made its way to my wife who said, <clears throat> so. <clears throat> Exactly what was that all about? And who were those two lovely ladies that were with you? <laughs> I was wondering. So what can Yeah, you that was just um actually they were there with their husbands or boyfriends. Um Rick and I were both at an event in Houston on Saturday. And uh, um great event. Fitterman Sports put on a fantastic event. Mike Tyson was there and Dennis Rodman and Daryl Strawberry and Pete Rose got to spend a little time with Pete Rose. That was pretty awesome. Uh, and a whole ton of other people. Lex Luger was there. <clears throat> Sergeant Slaughter, Kevin Ascott, Hall. A um, lot, lot, of, lot of talent there. And, uh, yeah, that we, were, we were at the hotel after the event, and there was this uh, local um, charity event based on, you know, Dancing with the Stars. And there were these two couples there, and I'm assuming husband and wife or whatever in a relationship. And the guys were so excited to see Ric Flair and they wanted a picture with their wives or girlfriends, whatever it was. We didn't ask um, with Rick and I. And of course I didn't think twice about saying sure. And then posting the picture. And then when I got home, it was like, <clears throat> so <laughs> tell me about your weekend with Ric Flair, but uh, it was perfectly <laughs> innocent and uh, just part of the party environment. Yeah. Nature boy, nation is what it reminded everybody of. So that was, that was a good time. It was good to see you. You were representing the, the Steelers. I saw some posts under there. People were getting into the old, old football deal, but, uh, good to see you there. And then, uh, I saw you were in Knoxville too, uh, made the trip over to Knoxville, Tennessee. Yeah. The following day after Saturday, Sunday morning, I flew in early to, to Knoxville and was uh, a part of a great event there. Next generation, uh, wrestling, uh, in, in Knoxville, great event. Very well run, a lot of great young talent, great fans, did a meet and greet there and then made my way home so that I could be home for a couple of days and then head to Chicago. And that's what we're here to talk about next, Eric. As we record this, Chicago is about to happen for us. Are you excited or what, man? We're going to all be together for Top Guy Weekend at freeshows.com. Big party of the summer or finally our first get together. I can't wait, man. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. There's gonna, <clears throat> it's always fun to get together with all of our friends over at, 
and family over at uh, shows.com and it should be a great event. I'm looking forward to it. I know all the guys and gals that are attending are looking forward to being there. The itinerary is set. The lineup is in place, and there's going to be some surprises along the way. So I'm telling you, I'll get the plug in early. If you're not a member at adfreeshows.com, now is the time to sign up. Eric, you got some stuff going on in September over there. You're calling people. You're doing a live Zoom event. And uh, it's just a great way to form connection and bond with you and many others. It is. Adfreeshows.com is a blast. It was such a great idea from uh, Conrad. And uh, like so many of Conrad's ideas, has worked out really, really well. And <clears throat> we've developed developed not just myself, but Mrs. B as well. You know, we've developed some real close uh, friendships with people that we've met through adfreeshows.com. So it's a, it's a great part of our lives and always look forward to, to interacting. It really is, man. It is a community. Conrad says that it's like family and, and it really is uh, in terms of just the connections and the friendships. And uh, you just get to interact with guys that you grew up just like yourself watching in the business that we all love. So uh, I definitely guarantee you, you will not be disappointed if you make that leap. But Eric, before we dig into the episode and we're revisiting another Nitro this week from September 9th, I thought it would be fun to throw at you three headlines because you, the Hall of Famer, is making headlines every time you sit down and record 83 weeks. And uh, these are from some sites like Inside the Ropes, Wrestling Inc. and others. And uh, I'm going to throw the three main things that I saw that was out there and uh, just looking for you to comment. But you made the headlines, number one, saying that a potential Ric Flair appearance in AEW uh, could be a big deal. The speculation's growing. Nature Boy could be in you know the future of the uh, AEW. What do you think about all that? Well, you know, I'm not sure if that's going to happen or not. You know, I, I did spend quite a bit of time with Rick, both Friday night and Saturday night. And, you know, we talked a lot about AEW. I didn't ask Rick specifically if he was going to go. I figured if Rick wanted to share that information, he'd volunteer it. I didn't want to ask. Um, but, you know, I just, I know Rick. I've known Rick for a long time, 25, 30 years. And Rick loves the business today as much as he did 20 years ago. And I think if there's an opportunity there, I would be surprised if Rick didn't jump on board. I'd be equally as surprised if Tony Khan and the folks over at AEW didn't find a reason to, to not, you know, extend an offer to him. Rick is a very valuable asset. I think, you know, and I said this to Kevin Nash and Scott Hall, and they both agreed with me from where we sit, which is, you know, on the outside, for the most part, you know, we get to go to these conventions and we're, you know, part of the business kind of sort of in a way, but we're not part of the daily business anymore, but all of us, you know, pay pretty close attention to what's going on and have a decent feel for certain things. And we all agreed, you know, without hesitation that in many respects, Ric Flair is, is he's as over today as he's ever been. And I would go so far as to say Ric Flair is more over today than he's ever been as a personality. Now, clearly, you know, Rick's not going to go out there and have 60 minute, you know, <laughs> matches anymore. Uh, no more Broadway's left in, in Rick's career, at least not inside the wrestling ring. You know what I mean? But uh, Rick's value, you know, his, his equity, what he brings to the table credibility wise to a company like AEW, I think is a still, still a very valuable asset. Obviously, you know, you have to be used properly and, and, 
in, in a way that doesn't overexpose him. But, you know, from what I've seen from AEW so far, they've done a good job at that of, of utilizing, you know, legends or legacy talent, as I like to refer to them, um, without over, you know, using them to the best of their ability without overexposing them and overusing them. And I think given the right situation, I think Rick would bring a tremendous amount of credibility to AEW. Not that they're lacking in that respect right now, but you can always use a little more, right? And because Rick has been able to expand his profile, no pun intended, across such a wide demo, um, man, I'd be surprised if Tony doesn't offer him a deal. And if he does, I'd be even more surprised if Rick doesn't take it. You're hanging out with some friends and putting back a few drinks and a few becomes a few too many. As the evening comes to an end, when people start to head out, you think of calling for a ride. Nah, you live nearby. You can make it home. Okay. It's no big deal. What are the odds you'll get pulled over anyway? And even so what's the worst that could happen? Your insurance goes up. You lose your license. You lose your job. You total your car. You kill someone. Everyone knows about the risks of driving drunk. The results are tragic and often deadly. However, that doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives. So if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again, play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. Paid for by NHTSA. As a fan, it's kind of cool too because they've worked obviously Arn's there. Tully is there. They've brought in JJ before. So when you think about the opportunities now, if they did decide to bring in a Ric Flair, it could be fun, especially for some of us fans uh, you know, of the old school and four horsemen. And, and they could do some fun things with that. So I guess uh, we'll wait and see what happens. Yes, we will. All right. Listen, headline number two. How did Eric make the headlines? The Hall of Famer. Eric Bischoff thinks AEW will soon close the gap with WWE. Well, they already are, you know, in in some ways. Um, I don't know how you measure any of this. Um, Some of it is anecdotal, but I'm talking about the buzz. You know, there, there is a tremendous amount of chatter about AEW and social media. And I'm seeing more and more kind of mainstream media attention, more and more celebrities, you know, just hanging out, not being in the ring. That's not necessarily always that important or valuable, but when you've got, you know, notable people, you know, celebrities from across different platforms and sports and media and celebrities, you know, getting involved with your product and enjoying it, that bodes really well. Now let's be realistic. You know, and I know, look, the emotions are running very high when it comes to AEW in a good way. And I'm happy to see that. But realistically, you know, if you compare viewership here in the United States, we're not even going to talk about international because AEW is not even in the same universe as WWE when it comes to their international footprint. Not yet. Anyway, it's early, right? But when you look at domestic viewership, AEW delivers about 
I don't know, 50% of Monday Night Raw on average, maybe a little better than that, maybe 60%, 55%. AEW's highest rated show compared to WWE's highest rated show delivers about 50% of the audience. So it's not like they're taking market share. It's not like as much as everybody wants it to be the Monday Night Wars. It's not. And it won't be unless and until AEW goes head to head. Mm. Now that's a real war. Now we're talking about market share. But when you look at AEW's, you know, viewership, you know, Friday nights are getting a million, a million plus, you know, Wednesday nights are getting a million, million plus the last couple of weeks. Um, it's still half of what WWE is getting. So for all of the people, especially those who are ardent AEW supporters and, and hoping for a Monday night war and hoping that we'll have that same kind of vibe that we had, you know, back during the Monday night wars, um, you got a long way to go folks. You can, you know, kid yourself and, and, and delude yourself into thinking that we're there. We're not, you know, if you look at, you know, two years after we launched Nitro, a year or so after, you know, we launched the NWO, WWE was trouncing head to head, trouncing, humiliating WWE. AEW is not even close to that. Mm. And I'm not saying that because of my ego necessarily. I'm just looking at real numbers. And today, much more so than, you know, back during the Monday Night Wars, the writers of, of uh, people that write about wrestling on these peripheral news networks, whether they're online sites or newsletters or, or otherwise, everybody's focusing on demos. That's cool. I get it. You know, it's an important part of the equation, but it's a fraction of the equation. It's not the whole of the equation, but the flip side of that conversation is they are AEW is definitely closing the gap. They're growing. Their audience is growing. And if that trend continues, I think my quote was they're going to be legitimate competition. I'm not sure I said anything about closing the gap. I don't know. I didn't write the headline, but I think what I was referring to is that AEW is on their way to becoming legitimate competition. And when I say legitimate competition, I'm talking about for market share. Not, not for, you know, online hype and, you know, peripheral news headlines, because 90% of that is bullshit anyway. Uh, it's clickbait. They're trying to create a war where one doesn't actually exist because wars create interest, right? And interest create clicks and clicks create money. I get it. But what I'm seeing in AEW is a legitimate, potentially legitimate, not even potentially a legitimate competitor. And if they continue on the trend that they've established that that competition is only going to get closer and closer and closer. And then it's about market share. And when I say market share, because there's a lot of duplication in audience, you know, for example, I would venture to say that on SmackDown, these are all guests, you know, I don't analyze ratings. It's it's not my business anymore. But just based on, you know, history, if you look at the audience for SmackDown, while it's a little higher on average than it is for Raw, I would venture to say 90% 
of the SmackDown audience watches Raw and vice versa. I would also say 75 or 80% of the audience that watches AEW also watches SmackDown and Raw. I would venture to say that 80 or 90% of the audience that watches AEW watches SmackDown and Raw. So there's duplication in those numbers. Mm. It's not like Monday Night Raw's audience is 2 million, SmackDown audience is 2 million, and AEW's audience is 1 million. So there's 5 million people watching, you know, those shows. I think it's probably the same, same audience, just different percentages for each show. Sure. That's, that's not market share. Not in the true sense of the word. You're not, nobody's taking anything away from anybody. Raw or SmackDown are not taking anything away from AEW and AEW is not taking any market share from WWE. It's just duplication of audience. And that's not bad. It's just, reality right the whole same group of wrestling fans maybe not the exact same group but you know like you said 80 percent that's gonna you know that watched raw will prob- probably watch AEW, you know aw wednesday night that doesn't mean you know they're, they're taking away from each other's audiences it's just like you said same people are coming over and watching both so it's interesting cnbc put an article out uh, this past week and and a small part of it they were talking about wwe and their international impact and they mentioned aew and said you know, for them, it's going to be continuing to grow their the star power and building out that star power on the roster. They mentioned the acquisition of CM Punk, uh, but we'll continue to see how that grows. I think we're uh, we may have already saw one another one in Chicago. I don't know. Like I said, we don't have our crystal ball. We're recording early, uh, but they're going to continue to grow, and it'll be interesting to see some of the key players they bring on board as they as they do grow. Well, I think star power is kind of it's an indirect, you know, part of the the equation. It's not the direct part of the equation, you know, what's, what's going, what AEW needs to, to grow their international business is to continue to have success in the United States. The more successful they become, the larger their audience becomes, forget about WWE, the largest, the larger that the AEW audience becomes, the more attractive AEW will become to international broadcasters. And, that just takes time. There's no, there's no magic bullet. There's, there's no secret sauce here. The more successful you are as a domestic U S property, the more likely it is you're going to be able to get clearances in, in international markets. And that's a function of growth and time more so than it's a function directly of star power. Well, Eric, the final headline, thank you for that. The final headline where Eric Bischoff made the news this week around at least social media and all the print media, Brock Lesnar needs to show a different character after WWE return. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Yeah, and I, I believe that firmly. You know, we've seen a lot over the, how long has Brock been on our radar in a major way? 15 years, 20 years? Yeah, um, early we've seen a lot of Brock. And we've seen basically a one-dimensional Brock, which is all Brock's needed, by the way, not being critical here at all. Um, Brock has been hugely successful with one character and one type of story. He's a very dominant force, and that's worked for a long, long time. And I think if there's another big run for Brock, and he's not filling kind of a Goldberg spot 
so to speak. And, and that's, I, I feel I shouldn't have even said that. Can you hear my phone going off? I did. Quacks like a duck. <laughs> um, I think if, if, if WWE or Brock Lesnar fans hope to see Brock make a significant needle moving impact on WWE, we're going to have to see something different than what we've been seeing for 15 or 20 years. Otherwise it's been there, done that. Yes. He's the unstoppable. Yes. He can beat anybody. Yes. He's this amazing physical phenomenon who wreaks havoc everywhere he goes. Okay. We've seen that. What are we going to see this time? You know, are we going to see a baby face? Great. I hope we do. I'd like to see that part of Brock's character, but rather than just, you know, slapping babies on the back and high-fiving people on his way to the ring. What are we going to see in that character? That's different, you know, and if you, and I always go to Marvel movies, you know, cause I think they do such a great job of adding depth and dimension and relatability to their superheroes. You look at Marvel comics, all those superheroes have an Achilles heel. They have something that creates self doubt within the character. There's some kind of an internal struggle going on throughout their journey in a Marvel movie. And it's as much about competing against the outside forces as it is competing about the inner challenges of that character. And I think if Brock's going to take that next big leap as a babyface character, we're going to have to see some of that because otherwise he's just a babyface that can't be beat. And I get a little bored with that. Now maybe I'm different than everybody else. And maybe I'm, you know, because I'm, because of my age, I'm 66 years old. I've kind of seen it all, done it all experienced it all. So I'm perhaps a little more hardened when it comes to what it takes to, to get my interest. But man, I just think that if we want to see something big out of Brock and, and see a, a second big run for Brock, whatever he's got left, eight or 12 events left in his new deal. I'm not sure what it is. I've read two different things, whatever it is, if we want to see something significant out of Brock, we're going to have to see, see a significant change in his character in the way he's being presented otherwise been there done that man here's a pro tip for you if you're looking for a truly meaningful gift look no further than paintyourlife.com you get a professional hand-painted portrait created from any photo at a truly affordable price you choose from a team of world-class artists and work with them until every detail is perfect their user-friendly platform lets you order a custom-made hand-painted portrait in less than five minutes. It's a quick and easy process, and you get your hand-painted portrait in just about three weeks. And here's how it works. You send them any picture, and hey, it can even be a picture off your phone of yourself, your children, your family, a special place, a cherished pet. Hell, you can even combine photos into one painting. Uh, so maybe you want to put you know, grandma in front of the house that she never got to go in, or you want to let grandpa meet his grandson. He never got the chance to paintyourlife.com can combine these photos and create something really, really special. It's going to make for a perfect birthday gift, an anniversary gift, a wedding gift, or maybe best yet, just because it is a meaningful, personal and cherished gift forever and ever. Like if you had to go quiz your dad, Hey dad, what did I get you last year for Christmas? He probably forgot. He probably got him some silly socks or maybe you got him a tie or maybe you got mom a gift card for mother's day. They will never forget that you gave them this. I mean it. 
check this out too. At paintyourlife.com, there's no risk. If you don't love the final painting, your money is refunded, guaranteed. And right now, as a limited time offer, you'll get 20% off your painting. That's right, 20% off and free shipping. To get this special offer, just text the word ERIC to 64000. That's E-R-I-C, ERIC, to 64000. Text ERIC to 64000. Paint your life. Celebrate the moments that matter most. Terms apply. Available at paintyourlife.com forward slash terms. One more time. Text Eric to 64,000. And there it is. It's headlines with the Hall of Famer. Eric, thank you for indulging me this week. But let's transition because I know our audience is here to listen to you talk about the good old days of wrestling. WCW Monday Nitro. It's September 9th, 1996. And before we get there, we need to talk about what happened on the other channel that week. You mentioned it. It was head-to-head wrestling. And Jim Ross turns heel. He claims that Diesel and Razor Ramon are returning on Monday Night Raw live against Nitro. And uh, rumor and innuendo, which is really just pushed by Kevin Nash and Scott Hall, is that both of them were on deal sheets, which means they had agreed but not really signed And you flew them into Atlanta to renegotiate because of this. How true is this? Not true at all. Not true at all. It's funny. I see you laughing. It's just, it makes me laugh. All right. So that's not true at all. The WWF is really starting to lose the ratings battle, and this is their attempt to regain some ground. What did you think of this attempt? And were you proud you pushed Vince uh, to do something like this? You know, one of my goals and one of the reasons I did some of the crazy shit that I did was to fuck with Vince. I wanted him reacting. I wanted him reacting to what we were doing instead of being proactive. Um, I wanted to take him off his game. And, and I was pretty successful at that. We shook him. And this was a perfect example. This stunt that they pulled with and, and Jim Ross was a part of it. Of course, he had to be part of it. He worked for WWE at the time. I'm sure it wasn't Jim's idea to suggest that Diesel and Razor are coming back. It was it was it was Jerry McDivitt, a fucking attorney, that came up with this idea. Um, and Pritchard and I joked about it. We did a, a Monday Night Wars debate several years ago. Chris Jericho was the moderator, and <clears throat> I got a, the biggest kick out of hearing Bruce explain how this all came about and <clears throat> why it all came about and Jerry McDivitt's involvement and all that. So yeah, anytime you can get an attorney driving creative, you know, you've taken them off their game. So I got a big kick out of it. Actually. I thought it was funny. Yeah. You definitely got their attention for sure. If, if that's the, their play opposite you on their show, well, listen, Let's get the Peacock machine fired up. We're going to jump into this watch along here. It's season two, episode 35. Eric, are you ready to go? I am indeed, my friend. All right. I'm ready too. Here we go. We're going to do the countdown in three, two, one, play. And we have the hot opening. We're going to let's listen to a little nitro music that gets me fired up.
along with the living legend Larry Zabisco. I am Tony Schiavone. We are less now than one week away from WCW's Fall Brawl featuring War Games, where it will be WCW against the NWO. But after last week, Larry, there is no doubt in my mind, the balance of power has swung now to the New World Order. Well, we're from Col- here at Columbus, Georgia, Eric. Uh, that's our, our our home this week here on Nitro in front of 6,000 fans for a gate of $54,000. And we're going to open the show here with some stuff going on with Hulk that almost stopped him from being at this show. You ready for some Observer news? Sure. Here we go. Hogan himself had a major scare on September the 8th as he was on his jet ski riding around with his six-year-old son, Nicholas Balea, tied to the back in an inner tube when there was a serious accident as Nicholas crashed into pilings. It could have been worse, but the extent of the injuries were that Nicholas suffered a concussion and needed stitches in his head and his arm and was put in a sling, but overall would be fine. Hogan still showed up for Nitro the next day because he felt it was important to be part of the last angle before the big pay-per-view show. What do you remember of this, and how did you find out about it? Uh, I got a call from Hulk, and he told me what what happened, and we were obviously concerned for Nick, but it was pretty apparent by the time I talked to Hulk that it wasn't going to be a serious injury, and he assured me he was going to make it to Nitro, but he, he was obviously upset. I think he probably, as any father would, felt a little guilty, or a lot guilty, as the case may be. Um, but... All in all, it, you know, it was a big deal to Hulk and I'm sure his family at the time. But like I said, by the time I heard from Hulk, um, he assured me Nick was going to be fine and Hulk was going to be a TV. So it was uh, it, it was a serious situation, but not nearly as serious as it could have been. Yeah, I'm sure it had to be a, definitely a scare for him and his family literally the day before uh, this nitro, but thankfully it was, wasn't worse than what it was. And, and it all worked out. He was able to be here on TV and, uh, but still just never know, man, never take life for granted. That's for sure. And glad things uh, weren't worse than they were. Well, we're going to transition here to open the card and it's super callow making his WCW debut and he's facing Pat Tanaka, which a little trivia note here, Eric, he's using Bill Goldberg's future music. Isn't that interesting? Mm. More music from the Turner Music Catalog, which we were able to get free of charge, which is why we use it. But I'll give you a little bit more Pat Tanaka trivia. I used to work with Pat Tanaka. When I first got to AWA, Pat Tanaka was there. He was teaming up with Paul Diamond. Um, And I, God, for the life of me, I can't remember their tag team, uh, the name of their tag team. But yeah, I, I was pretty good friends with Pat. Uh, we get along really well. Had him out to the house a couple times. Had a really badass white Camaro that I just, I, I really envied him for that car. I was jealous of that car, but uh, Pat, Pat was a cool guy. And yeah, when he, you know, early on in his career, he could move as we're watching in this match. If you are fortunate enough to watch along uh, here on adfreeshows.com, um, Pat, you know, at this stage in his life, he was a very gifted performer. You know, used a lot of the martial arts kind of gimmickry. Gimmickry. I don't know that Pat was truly a martial artist, but he could make it look that way. And because he had Japanese heritage, um, you know, kind of fit the gimmick, so to speak. But Pat could move, man. He he wasn't a big guy, but he could move. Yeah, the tag team you were searching for, Bad Company. Bad Company. That's it. There you go. Bad Company. 
But this is uh, this starts out full of action. Super Callow. How did you how did you hear about him? Do you remember the recruitment of him? Was this a uh, was this Conan? Was who? Yeah, that was a, you know a lot of the the luchadors, a lot of the Mexican talent that came in during that time. Really, you know, Conrad 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 and Conan. Conan was really responsible for yeah everybody that came in out of Mexico. Good. It's announced uh, during this match, which by the way is is just off to a hot start. Super Cala with a big dive over the ring. Oh, and here we go. We got some teenage boys gathering up some flyers here with their NWO t-shirts on. Uh, we'll see what that's all about here in a minute. But it's announced during this match that uh, Cala would be taking on Rey Mysterio Jr. at Fall Brawl for the Cruiserweight title. So there you go, making his debut here and already scheduled for uh, the next week's pay-per-view. Well, that's kind of a tip of the hat, isn't it, that Cala's going over if he's facing Rey Mysterio coming up? You would it's think kind of so. like, oh, here's your squash match. <laughs> <laughs> he is he is going to get the win here for sure. And uh, we did get that shot there of the NWO fans with flyers. Any idea whose idea that might have been or who's writing kind of the creative? What's going on here with uh, some of this? You know, as I often answer these types of questions, Paul, there was no one person who said, hey, I have this idea. Let's do this. Yeah, just about everything that you see, it was the product of a, a collaboration you know, I think the idea of flyers was something that came up once in a meeting. I'm not sure where it originated from. It'd be impossible to remember that for anybody, but uh, it, it was a collaborative type of an idea. And the collaboration would be who you, Kevin Sullivan, others at this time. Who oh, it could have been anybody, you know, Tony anybody Schiavone, on Craig Leather's team, Craig Leather's, you know, the okay. production team, it could have been a David Crockett, you know, okay. suggestion, you know, everybody was aware of what was working, the, the kind of surprise element of the show and doing things that were out of the ordinary that people hadn't seen before. So I think the whole team, you know, not just the booking committee or the creative team, so to speak, sure. but also everybody associated with the television product, you know, were quite capable of coming up with an idea in a meeting and said, hey, how about if we try this? It's absolutely. Let's do that. And then they would go off and execute it. But, you know, to try to pin any one idea on any one person <clears throat> for the most part is, is pretty tough, especially when it came to, I'm going to call them production stunts, because that's what that was. Um, it, it, it wasn't a, a storyline idea. It wasn't a finish. It wasn't the, the kind of creative elements that would typically come out of the creative team, so to speak. It was as much of a production idea as it was a, a wrestling idea. Speaking of, uh, of ideas here, we have Rick Steiner with Gene Okerlund and Lex. Let's go to a little bit of what they're talking about here. Team wrestler, your brother, probably the best ever, maybe, but this is singles wrestling night. I'm in the war games. I'm focused. I am going out there tonight and I am going to be the total I package. Could you all, I could be you. I could be Rick. you. Sting. Rick. Sting. I'm oh, going to be the total package tonight. And you're going down. I'm on top of my game. That's good for me. That's bad for you. No, bad. It ain't bad for me. I can beat you. Thank, thank you very much. You Rick. see it, <laughs> uh, Thank Dump. you, Stick. Very good. Uh, I believe Lex Luger alluding to the fact there that maybe uh, Rick Steiner didn't have it upstairs. Who knows? Stay tuned. We've got more Nitro coming up when we return here on TNT. Uh, and I would say based on that promo, Lex's observation at the time was probably on the money. <laughs> they're they're having a pseudo rematch after that uh what happened the week before with Nick Patrick 
Here we go. We got the the NWO shirt guys out. It's Nash Hall and the Giant. Would this be an example of something that you would uh, tape before the show? That that type of uh, that type of. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah it, it would have been done earlier on in the day. Um, it wouldn't have been done a week or two in advance. It would have been day of. Uh, but sure, that would have been done probably about two or three o'clock in the afternoon. Oh my God! I have to track it, Eric. He finally arrived. See this man, what an impressive individual, Tony. I'm finding out more and more about his background. Just excels in all fields of the martial arts. I mean, this man here has combined the, the soft styles and smooth, fluid techniques of Kung Fu with the hard, direct, fast styles of Karate and Okinawa Ishinru. This man can put it all together. This man is going to be a force to be reckoned with. And, of course, a man who has gotten under the skin of many WCW wrestlers. It wasn't too long ago right here on Nitro. Big Bubba had something to say about him. Okay, I got to ask you. It's the big reveal. It's blood runs cold. That's right. Glacier's here. But he made his debut on WCW Pro after all these Nitro hype videos. Yeah, I don't know why. No, I'm sure what? there was a reason for it, but I couldn't tell you sitting here right now what that reason was. Oh, I needed that from you this week. We had all this hype around Glacier and we debut him on WCW Pro. Well, what can I tell you? You know, Pro needed something too. WCW <laughs> Pro was an important part of our syndicated effort and needed something. So oh, that might have been it. I don't know, man. I wish I could I wish I could make you happier, Paul. I wish. NWO, live nitro, cruiserweights. Does Glacier make it to your top five of all your creations? Is does it is it that character? Does that hit in the top five? Why do you gotta be such a smart ass, dude? Why it's it's like the the wrestling community just loves to, you know take shots at, at Glacier. Number one, he was a decent, he wasn't a great performer, but he was a solid performer. You know, the character was probably two years late. So what, what, which, which as Conrad would ask, cause this is perfect timing. What's your favorite Glacier match? All of them, <laughs> all of them. <laughs> he never had a bad match. Glacier did uh... his job. Glacier didn't come up with the gimmick. Glacier didn't, you know, come up with a promotion. Glacier wasn't a part of the way it was positioned. Ray Lloyd was a decent, better than decent, good, and I'm not solid arguing performer. That. I'm sure he was. I'm sure he was the nicest guy in the world. I mean, I'm sure he. I'm not talking about being nice. Fuck, oh. we're talking about wrestling here. Okay. Being nice has got nothing to do with it. I'm not putting him over because he was a nice guy, which he is, by the way, or was certainly, and and, and still is. I'm saying to you, you know, as a wrestling fan, you know, be aware of the fact that you're jumping on the bus glaciers chops fucking bandwagon because that's what we all do. You all do. I don't fucking do it. I stand up for the guy because he was a good performer, but everybody likes to make fun of Glacier and that character because it just, it was poorly timed, you know, and it, it and unfortunately for Glacier, you know, had he come along at a different time without being saddled with that gimmick, much the same way that um, Alex Wright was saddled with a stupid gimmick that he was never able to, to shake much the way Johnny B bad was saddled uh. and burned with a fucked up, you know, little Richard character that he could never get away from, you know, the characterization of Ray Lloyd and, and the character that he played wasn't Ray Lloyd's choice. He took the opportunity. And if you want to, 
bust his chops for that. Feel free. But I'm I don't know anybody out cops. there. Listen- Stop, don't interrupt me, damn it. Do not interrupt me. I'm fucking on a roll. Con. Who do you think you are, Conrad? Anybody out there that's listening to this that had any amount of ability whatsoever that aspired to be a professional wrestling, particular, particularly in 1996 when Nitro was the hottest show on television. We were kicking the NFL's ass. This was real war. This wasn't this wasn't uh, what's what's the word I'm looking for. This isn't a cosplay wrestling writer war. This was the real shit. Right. And anybody out there that aspired to be a pro wrestler in 1996 on the hottest show in America, scratch that around the fucking world, the number one wrestling program in the world. Had they been given this opportunity, any one of you listening to this would have fucking jumped at the chance and don't bullshit yourself into thinking you wouldn't, including you, Paul. Don't kid yourself or try to kid me because I see through your shit. All right, press pause. We need one more time out to talk about our friends over at solid gold. They have been with us forever. And that's because we want our dogs to be with us forever. By now, if you follow Eric's Instagram, you know, he is in love with his dog, Nikki. And how could you not be what a cute animal? I can't wait to meet Nikki in real life, but a peek behind the scenes. I've got two poodles that I, um, <clears throat> inherited and, uh, I've fallen in love with them, man, uh, baby and ginger. They are our spice girls here at the Thompson residence. But Ginger is really like my best friend. She is in lockstep with me. Usually when I'm recording, she's in the back corner. Uh, she wants to be wherever I am and I want to be wherever she is, which means I need to keep her around for a long time. And, uh, they've discovered a long time ago over at solid gold that the European animals usually outlived their American counterparts, specifically the great Danes. But Sissy McGill was so inspired by that. She created a brand new food that is really inspired by their founding belief that high quality food is the best way to impact our pets, mind, body, and spirit. They, uh, they've really done it all. They've got something for every dog or cat's needs, but what they're about is making sure that we're taking the best possible care to help our pets better fight environmental allergies. And we want to support their immune system so they don't get sick and they live long and healthy lives. But the best way to do that is through proper diet and digestive health. And just the overall wellness. And that is really what solid gold is all about. And if that means they're giving me more time with ginger, man, I am for it. And I know you love your dog, just like we love ours. So you should really check this out because solid gold has revolutionized this holistic pet food category. They've got something for any dog and any cat's dietary needs and check this out. They've got everything. I'm talking healthy, whole grain, even grain free. They've got wet food. They've got supplements like sea mail. And they even have 100% human grade bone broth for dogs. My dogs love that and yours will too. Now the solid gold foods are really different because they cleanse the digestive system with whole superfoods. They balance with living probiotics and they fuel with omega three and six fatty acids. They're going to support gut health and nourish your pet both inside and out. And right now to save 30% on select solid gold products, go to solidgoldpet.com slash 83 weeks. That's solidgoldpet.com slash 83 weeks to save 30% on select solid gold products. Remember solidgoldpet.com slash 83 weeks. And now let's get back to the program in three, two, one play. When I think of cosplay, 
I think Glacier. So, hey, you know. <laughs> You're a dick. <laughs> well, we'll move on. I think I hit a button on our nerve. Uh, it's all good, though. Ray, great wrestler, great performer, just straddled and strapped with a crappy gimmick. We can agree there. But, man, it's fun to make It wasn't a crappy gimmick. It was a come great on. gimmick that was two years late. Oh. Had he come out two years earlier, he'd have gotten over like Rover. You think he would have been carrying titles around two years earlier? Mortal Kombat? Man no, I don't know if he would have been carrying titles around. Okay. He could have been. Well, but I think the audience's reaction to that character would have been different in 1994, 1993 than it was in 1996. You're right. That's like 1994 WWF back then, I think, with Duke the Dumpster Drozzy. And there was a lot more of those types of gimmicks back then. So are we seeing been. similar gimmicks to doesn't WWE have a have a character out there that looks like. It looks like Glacier only is all red. Somebody posted that on social media the other day. I can't remember. All red Glacier. Hmm. I don't know. I have to go back. I have to do oh some Oh, my research. God. It's what they're doing with Karrion Cross. They put a mask or a helmet or something on the guy. Yeah. See? Oh. There's nothing new in this business. It's all just rehashing. They are ruining him. Another. And they're ruining him, by the way, doing that. That's just my opinion. <sighs> All right. Did I well, ask you for your opinion? I'm just no, curious. My, my opinion doesn't mean shit, but no, it, it, no, it's, it, I was it just does. curious if I asked you for it. That's all. No, you didn't. But, uh, but, but I'm, I'm so, so this is an 83 weeks with Paul Bromwell. No, not yet. And, and it not, yet. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> Give you time. Yeah, right. Give you time. By the way, you're doing a good job of uh, kind of eating away at Conrad Thompson's territory. And I'm glad to see that. Oh, stop. I like to mix it up a little bit. Yeah, this is fun. Well, speaking of fun, there's a lot going on in the ring night now that we got away from, and the match is already over. It was the Qu Quebecers debut. I mean, the amazing French Canadians, Jacques Rougeau and Carl Ouellette. It's Jacques' return of the ring for the first time, Eric, in two years. And by the way, PCO is still going strong, as evidenced in Ring of Honor, but he's about 100 pounds heavier than his time in WWF. What brings these two in to help push the Canadian market. Is that the goal there? Was that the goal? Absolutely. It's okay. the only reason. Only reason is trying to get a, a string. You know, we always, we had a difficult time getting a, a foothold into Canada. WWE had done a really good job of building their, their equity and, and, and establishing themselves as a leading brand in Canada. And Canada is a little bit unique <clears throat> when it comes to television in that, any, any program that's on in Canada has to have, has to have a certain percentage of Canadian residents, not only as stars or on-camera talent, but also as behind the scenes, you know, production talent as well. And WWE made a big commitment to Canada earlier. They used to have offices in Toronto, for example. So they had legitimate WWE office presence, offices in, in Toronto. Carl DeMarco, I think, was the president of WWE Canada. And those kinds of moves um, allowed WWE to really uh, keep WCW out uh, of Canada in any significant way. Um, and this was our attempt to kind of close that gap. One of the attempts. There were others, but that was one of them. Would you say this was one of your less innovative repackagings? You know, French Canadians here, they used to be the Quebecers. We didn't want to repackage them. We were targeting Canadians specifically, and they had, you know, been very, very popular in, in Canada, as you pointed out just a few moments ago, you know, two years prior to this, 
you know, three, four, five years prior to this in that characterization. So why would we want to change it? I don't know. We, weren't, we didn't bring them in for the domestic audience. We brought them in for the Canadian audience. Makes sense. Well, we have. Of course Brian. it makes sense. Oh, well. That's why people listen to the show. Because it always fucking makes sense. The diatribe of Bischoff. Here we go. Listen, we got Brian Knobs and Jerry Sags on the mic. Can you imagine the gold that's coming here to and they're done. We missed it. But Gene Okerlund carrying the staff, the mic trying to, I think there's a big uh, brawl here or a big uh, angle going on between them and Harlem heat. And they make their way out of the ring. Lots of excitement here on this night. I think this is obviously the second nitro you and I have done recently together. And you really start to realize how integral Gene Okerlund was throughout these shows. Yeah, he really was. And he, he shined the most whenever he was in the ring with talent that typically wasn't great at promos. You know, the Nasty Boys, we didn't get a chance to hear that promo, but I dare say that we don't really need to hear it because if you've heard one Nasty Boy promo, you've pretty much heard them all. <laughs> They're all essentially the same. Um, <clears throat> but Gene was really great at working with, you know, younger talent or talent that just wasn't that comfortable being on the mic. He could guide them which is what he was really great at. Keep them on track. He's really great at that. But he could also add his own little sidebars of humor and innuendo <clears throat> that often made kind of a boring promo a little bit more interesting. Speaking of interesting, or maybe not very interesting, we have Scott Norton versus Craig Pittman now in a matchup here. You a big Scott Norton or Craig Pittman fan? Huge Scott Norton fan. Scott Norton and Scott Norton and I go way back. We worked together in AWA back in the late eighties. Um, That's right. Kind of grew up in the same area of Minneapolis, had a lot of mutual friends, a lot of mutual friends. Um, and I worked with, with Scott a lot in the AWA. So you know, long, long history as, as friends. And I love, you know, it was great talent. It was really over in Japan. You know, that is, as people refer to it today, the strong style, Japanese strong style, tough as hell. And just a super funny guy. And he's a gentle giant. I mean, if you ever got a chance, and I encourage you, if you ever get a chance to, you know, sit down and chat with, with Scott over a beer, over a burger, whatever, take the opportunity because he's such a just joy to be around. But he's also an extremely talented dude. And he's got some history, man. He's, he's done it all, seen it all. Worked in some of the biggest matches in Japan. Um, wasn't as popular here in the United States as he was in Japan, but um, I'm, I'm a big fan, big fan of Scott's. Whenever I see Scott Norton now, I cannot help myself, but always be taken back to that dark side of the ring documentary, uh, Collision in Korea. Uh, and you saw a lot of Scott's personality in that episode of Dark Side of the Ring. I mean, they did a great job with Scott. Um, He's just a super guy, man. Super guy. Never meet a nicer person. Eric scared to death of his wife, by the way. His oh. wife, Tammy. Oh, he's scared to death of Tammy. She definitely, I mean, she runs that household. Trust me. Okay. Well, we won't see any pictures of him on social media with other women at the bar. Oh, are you kidding me? Not a chance. <laughs> Not a chance. Oh, here we go. Ice train making his way down. My God, he was a big dude. Still is. Have you seen any pictures of him lately? No. He looks as good today. Maybe he looks better today than he did back then. He's he's in phenomenal shape. 
well, he throws in the towel here. Pittman takes the loss. And oh, by the way, this is going to earn the Pep Boys pin of the week. What the what the fuck's going on here? Pep Boys love, love Pittman. I love the Scott Norton and Ice Train. Pep Boys was all over. They would call me every week. Really? Wanting to know what we're going to do with this tag team, how we're going to build them. Oh, yeah. What they were the- armchair bookers, man. Well, yeah. Well, why, why? What do you think attracted this to these two guys for Pep Boys? Because they had Pep. They had Pep. They were a wrestling version of the Pep Boys. <sighs> okay. Manny Moe and Jack. All right. Well, this match is over. Pittman's upset. <sighs> Wouldn't you be? I'm sure. Wouldn't you be upset if someone threw in the towel for you? Like you're sitting there doing this podcast with me and all of a sudden Dave Silva comes in and throws in the fucking towel. Said, okay, well, this is over. You're done. You know how many like, listeners are hoping hell? for that running right now to this? Do you, do you realize how many are Eric? <laughs> no, I'll come see on, it on man. social media. Here are the power pin of the, with the there pet is, boys the pet power boys. pin of the week. Perfectly timed. And here, All right, let's go to Gene Oakland now. Let's let's hear from Gene. Alex Luger, Arn Anderson, Ric Flair. I had, I, I thought I had the components here for the team that was going to be representing World Championship oh, Wrestling. Ron but- rolls down. Luger, where's Sting? You got Double A. You got the Nature Bowl. We got the package. Where's Sting? We got a fight going on Sunday. Where is your partner? Before you go jumping down my throat, Nature Boy. I've been there in war games with you guys. I've been a horseman. I've been in on the strategy sessions. I know what the importance of this match is. I have the same mistake that you guys have at stake. Sting's here. Steiner said he saw him in the back. I don't know where he is right now. It's unusual because I always tell Sting what do to do. Do me a favor, will you? Tell your story walking. Where's Sting, brother? Hogan, Outsiders, next Sunday night, the show is out. It's live. And the by God horseman and Luger and the Hulk Sting show up. What about that? We're ready, brother. He's in the hey, back. wait a minute, Mongo. Chris Benoit. Can you smell it, Gene? The ship ain't even sailed in six days and the rat's already jumping off the ship. I told you guys not to count on these guys. Stay in the horseman. We'll see what happens. All right, you've got to settle down. What's your thoughts on all of this, Chris Benoit? This Benzo? is what the thought of filling our shoes has done. What's going to happen in the cage, Lex? He's just not here for an interview. The stinger is is in the building. And Gene, if there's one guy, and you guys know we can count on for war games, we can count on the fight for world championship wrestling, it's the stinger. He's always been there. He'll be there in six days. You can count on it. Let me tell you my mindset, okay? Forget about the fact he's not here for the interview. I've called ahead to Winston-Salem to get myself a hospital room because I figure I just might need it. I expect to get hurt at war games. So does he, and so should you. And so should Sting, because you see, when you walk in war games on the cage, you've got to put all that on the line if you expect to get all that. Hogan, you took a baseball bat to me, but I was in the, right up in your face the very next week. So apparently I got more guts than you've got talent. You tried to put my eyes out with paint. You should have used battery acid. That's what I would have done. You lit this fire. Now it's going to burn you all to the ground. I'm certain the horseman would be more than happy to jump into this place without staying. Gentlemen, I thank you. Next Sunday Hollywood night, WCW, the meeting the NWO Double Cage, and of course, Double Ring. Stay tuned. We've got more action live on Nitro. All right. Hey, Paul, so- before, we, before we picked it up, just... Yeah. 
I don't know why I'm bringing this up, but one of the cool things when I was in Houston with Scott Hall and Kevin Nash, we were backstage signing a bunch of stuff before we went out to the main floor. <clears throat> Rick, of course, Rick Flair was there and Rick looked over and he saw all of us sitting there and Rick came over and he said, guys, we got to say hi to Mongo, Steve McMichael. Now, as many of the people listening to this know, Mongo is in a hell of a fight with ALS. Um, it's, taking an amazingly tough toll on him. So of course, Rick being Rick, he comes over, gets out his phone and we get a hold of uh, Steve's wife, uh, Misty. And she puts Mongo on the phone and we spent, I don't know, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, just chatting with Mongo and, and trying to lift his spirits, honestly. Um, and in true Steve McMichael form, I mean, this guy's literally fighting for his life and it's, the prognosis is not good. Let's be honest about it. ALS is when, when you're diagnosed with ALS, the prognosis prognosis is not good. It's not a matter of when it's going to get you. It's, or excuse me, if it's going to get you, it's a matter of when it's going to get you. But we're, we had a great chat with, with Mongo and he was laughing and we were joking and, you know, it brought all of our moods up a couple different levels. And in true Steve McMichael form, he said, guys, before I let you go, I got to, I got to leave you with a joke. And he proceeded to tell us a classic Steve McMichael joke. And uh, it's just a, a, a real indication of just how tough of a son of a bitch Steve McMichael really is in the face of what, what he's up against to make jokes and still have that same personality that we all remember so well. Um, he's an amazing person. I was grateful for that moment. That moment right there was worth that trip to Houston times 10. And that's fantastic. You, you hate to hear anybody dealing with ALS and man, our thoughts and prayers are with Steve Mongo McMichael, his family, also his wife, you know, that uh, there's a burden. I'm sure that she's, you know, doing taking care of him and all that comes with it. So, man, that is so cool. Thank you so much for sharing that story. I'm sure it made his day hearing from all you guys. And here we go again. A, another, you know, small, small world and some things never change category. Saturday night, shortly after the two young ladies had their picture taken with us, it got my wife's attention to such a great degree. Um, sure enough, Rick pulls out his phone and FaceTimes Joe Gomez. Who we're who watching right now in the right ring. now. There you go. Yeah, and we had a great chat with Joe Gomez. So, okay, let's get into it. He's taking on Juventu Guerrera. And uh, shockingly enough, Dave Meltzer does not have the best things to say regarding this match. Do you want to hear this, Eric? Let's, I think you have to. Well, I don't it, have to, but sure. Let's humor uh, me. Yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be good for the show. This match killed the show live. It was a horrible match to book because of the size difference. Huge technical discrepancy, not to mention a style clash. Gomez was really screwed, who screwed the match up and was yelled at backstage. But the real problem was putting the match together in the first place. Who yelled at Joe Gomez, Eric? Do you know? Wasn't me. I'm not sure who would have been. Probably uh, Sullivan, I would guess. Hmm. Well, we'll see how bad it was, though. I mean, I, I don't disagree with Dave's, Dave's, Dave's observation here. You know, Joe was was a talented guy, but, you know, to work with somebody like Juventude, you, 
you got to be more than talented. You, you've got to be special. And, and you have to have experience, you know, working with luchadors yeah. and working with guys that had that, that Mexican style. Um, that was far different than your traditional, you know, U.S. wrestling style match. And Joe didn't have that experience. It wasn't his fault. He, he didn't volunteer to be in the match. It wasn't his idea. He did the best he could, but he just didn't have the history and the experience of working with the luchadors. So it was, and the size difference was obvious, but it wasn't so much the size difference. The size difference would have worked if Joe had the experience. He just didn't. Well, and and you too, you think about, oh, yikes. Oh, that was ugly. <sighs> What's your time code? Just I'm so I'm, 30, looking at I'm a 30, 35, 36, 37, 38. Okay. I'm a little bit ahead of you. But okay. okay. I, I just tried to see the, the Hurricane Rana from outside the ropes into it. And that was just not good. Uh, but that was, that was as much on Hooventude. I mean, that was as much on Hooventude as it was on Joe. That, that, that's a tough one to bring it, especially a guy as big as Joe, to expect him to be able to take that bump and come over the top rope from a hurricane run out, you know, back into the ring. That, that was a bad choice of offense. Yeah. And uh, the whole was the whole point of this because Hooventude is replacing Psychosis to face the Mexican heavyweight champion Conan at Fall Brawl. So was that how this? Uh, sure. We wanted, the, we wanted to get Hoovy over as best we could. Match is over, and uh, it definitely wasn't pretty, but it is what it is. I want to hear more about Joe Gomez, though. So how tell us about the relationship there. Is he, he's just remained friends with Rick Flair all, after all these years? Oh, he and Rick are real close. In okay. fact, you know, going back to Steve McMichael, um, when Steve McMichael was first diagnosed with ALS, you may or may not be aware of it, <clears throat> but the Chicago Tribune did a great feature on him, and there, there was an interview as one of the local – news stations did a video, you know, video package on him. And shortly after that, uh, Rick and Joe, and I think one or two other people flew up to Chicago specifically just to hang out with Mongo. So yeah, Rick and Joe have been friends for a long, long time. Well, Hooventude picks up the victory and we are going to go to, I believe, Gene Okerlund here in a minute. So we're going to track this to hear what he has to say. Here we go with Nick Patrick. He just kind of wanders around here, but that's another story. Let's go back. Uh, recently, you made another call that I want to bring to your attention while I have you here. And if we would, let's, let's go to the replay from a recent edition of WCW Monday Night. Well, last week on this television program, you disqualified Lex Luger. What's the story? Did you see that right there? He deliberately struck me. He deliberately, right there. Anybody that's watching can see that that man deliberately hit me. Wait, wait a minute. Anybody, I think it was totally unintentional. is a disqualification in anybody's rule book. Now, he seems to have this vendetta against me, all because of the lies that you've been spreading about me. You've got to stop that garbage, now, now, now listen. Patrick. Now, the thing that happened to Sturgis was a very unfortunate coincidence. It's something that happened. But now you've told all these lies about me, and last week he chases me out of the building. Now, why isn't he suspended from professional wrestling? Any other official that would have been chased out of the building in any professional sport, that man would be suspended. Now, why isn't he suspended? You know, if you take a look at it, I think they used it in a, in a court trial last year. The preponderance of the evidence is clear. Nick Patrick, you have been involved in way too many controversial decisions for this just to be coincidental. Oh, no, well, the people are all pointing their fingers at me 
because of you. And look what happened last week. You've got all the people pointing their finger at me. They think I'm the man. And then all of a sudden, in through the back door slips the giant, slam dunks one, shatters the backboard, and puts it right down our throat. WCW's throat, our throat. You know, I am WCW all the way, no matter what you say, and no matter what anybody else says. I am going to enforce the rules to the letter of the law. That's my job. That's what I'm going to do. Well, all of a sudden, uh, you show up being awfully flush. I mean, with these new cars, beautiful home, $23,000 Rolex. Come on, Patrick. I didn't just get off the turnip truck. Yeah, you may not have just got off the turnip truck, Mr. Mercedes-Benz, but these are all lies, and I can prove they're all lies, and you're going to keep pushing my buttons, mister, and you and I are going to wind up in court. Well, I, I hope that doesn't happen. I thank you very much, Nick Patrick. Right now, sir, thank you. Wait a minute, Gene, 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 yeah, hold Tony. on. Hold on, I'm sorry to interrupt you. But I, I... So, okay, how good is Nick Patrick getting in this role? I was just going to say, man, I, I, Nick is off the charts good in this role. He is so good. He may have been some of the best promos in 1996. He was so it was really believable. Yeah. And, you know, he, he just, he found that final. And again, all that was improv. These guys didn't rehearse that promo for four hours before they did it. They knew what they were going to go out there and try to do. And they went out and did it. One take live, no script. Come on. That's magic right there. Nick Patrick. I don't know. He should get like a fucking Emmy, a belated Emmy or something for his, the quality of his work. He was awesome. Mr. Mercedes threw it right back at Gene Oakland. That was good. That was, I mean, that was quick witted shit yeah, right there. Yeah. Well, okay. Let's talk about what's going on here. Now we have Hulk Hogan, the giant Scott Hall and Kevin Nash, legit four of the biggest wrestling stars in the last year. They're putting flyers on cars outside in the rain. Isn't that awesome? Well, and look at DiBiase. He's the only one with an umbrella. He looks like such a sissy. <laughs> Where was this go? How did you convince these guys to do this? I mean, I, I don't think they had to be expecting the ring coming that night. Or nah, at this point in time with the NWO is high. It's only a couple months old here. And I mean, it was so exciting for everybody and especially for, for, for Hulk and Hall and Nash. It didn't take a lot of convincing. They were, they were so into it. They would have done just about anything. Uh, good stuff, man. Such classic, uh, classic moments here as we relive Gene Oakland. They're putting flyers all over cars. We're about to come back to the ring. I believe this is Rick Steiner. Let's ask some fan questions as we go through this, as we wait for them to come out to the ring, because we got quite a few of this champ champ four, four, four says whose idea was the NWO segment where it was partially filmed from the perspective of a helicopter with the NWO chasing flares limo during the night. And they dragged him out of the limo after the car chase and beat the crap out of him. Whose idea was that segment? Do you remember? Yeah, that one, Eric? yeah it's another one of those, man. I, I wish I could tell you, you know, and, and I can imagine how people that have never been in the wrestling business or been around creative, you know, would like to know who's that one person that came up with that one idea from 20 for years ago. It's just not possible, folks. I'm sorry. I can't answer. It's not that it's not a good question. It's just that it's an impossible one to answer. All right, let's go to Death Crush 53. Let's see if you can do this one. At what point did the cruiserweights come into your plans for Nitro? And who did what promotion and who what promotion was easiest to work with to get the cruiserweights? Um, that would have been probably early in 95. Um, or 
either right before or right after the launch on Nitro. And it all started with New Japan Pro Wrestling because I had a great relationship with New Japan. And that's where the, you know, most of the cruiserweight talent that was readily available to me was at. So that's where it started. And then it grew from New Japan into the Luchadors and, and beyond. So it, it started in 95, uh, started with New Japan Pro Wrestling and then grew. Great question. Before we keep with the questions, I have a question here as we watch. This is the Rick Steiner-Lex Luger matchup. You said you just got to see Lex Luger again, right? Was he a part of that? Event? Yeah, Lex, Lex was uh, at the Fitterman Sports. And by the way, if you're a fan, uh, if you love, you know, meeting and, and being able to hang out with some amazing sport, not just wrestling legends, but but sports legends uh, across the board, Fitterman Sports, um, go to Fitterman, F-I-T-E-R-M-A-N, sports.com. And check out their schedule because they bring a lot of just amazing talent in and they do a fantastic job promoting and, and producing their events. They're very well organized. But yeah, Lex was there as well. So it was it's always great to see Lex. I enjoy being around Lex now more than I ever have. He's just a very uplifting guy. Despite everything he's gone through, he's probably at more peace and happier. Uh, than he's ever been in his life. I'm sure he wishes things would have been different as we all do. I don't think any of us live without some regret, some more than others, but as far as where he is at today, he's, he's a very, very happy individual and, and it's contagious. I like being around him. Yeah. I remember you saying that the last time we were together and I was curious if you got to catch up with him again here, because every time I've met him and I've got to meet him just a few times here, before the pandemic, when he was making the rounds, such a gracious, nice man T to the fans. He doesn't know me from Adam. Oh, Hey, thank you so much for, I mean, just, just tremendous. And he means it. It's genuine for, because I think for Lex, I don't want to certainly not speak for him, but don't want to make it sound like I know him better than I do, but I get the impression at least that when he says those things, he's very, very genuine. He's grateful for the opportunity to meet people who are interested in meeting him. He's grateful in, in the truest sense of the word for that opportunity. And I think that's why I like being around him because, you know, when you're around people that just really enjoy life and aren't caught up in their politics or their COVID, anti-COVID, vaccine, anti-vaccine, mask, no mask, bullshit. When you're around people that just genuinely appreciate the fact that they got up in the morning and they go out to and they get to meet people who are excited to meet them and they and they feel it and it's genuine and authentic, it 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 makes you feel good being around them. And that's that's again one of the reasons I like being around Alexis because he makes me feel good. He makes me feel better about myself because I'm excited to see him. It's like a you know a, a great situation. If you get a chance to meet him. At an upcoming event, take advantage of it. I think that would be the message there, Eric. With uh, like I would, and yeah. and and don't be don't be shy about talking to him and asking him questions and and getting to know him because he'll want to get to know you as much as you want to get to know him. Okay, I have a confession to make. I finally bit the bullet. I'm now part of the Rectech family. You know, I've seen for the last month or so where Eric has been posting videos on social, and he's even been bragging during the show here where he would hold up his Rectech app and show me that he could turn his grill on from his phone. That just blew me away. Listen, there's a lot to brag about when you're in the Rectech family, 
but the idea that you could turn your grill on, turn it off, adjust the temperature, and you can do it all from an app on your phone. It's just crazy. Now, maybe you haven't been paying attention, but lately Eric has been talking about the rec tech and how important it is to understand why they're better than all of the other brands that are out there. First of all, I should mention they offer wood pellet grills that are fueled by all natural hardwood pellets. And of course they've got all the other cool outdoor stuff like coolers and apparel and grill accessories and more, but they have grills for every lifestyle and every budget, but their key focus is on flavor, convenience, and versatility. All of their grills are made with high quality stainless steel and built to last a lifetime. This is your last grill. Our lifestyle series of grills features the gold standard PID Wi-Fi controllers. Now this is the same form of temperature control that you see used in commercial banking, brewing, and pharmaceuticals. But now you can control it from virtually anywhere in the world via the Rectech app. You can turn it up. You can turn it down. You can even, and I can't believe this is real. You can turn it on remotely. It still just blows me away. They've got an awesome ceramic igniter versus the old fragile steel igniter gimmicks that all the competitors are using. These igniters from Rectech are rated for over 270 years of everyday grilling. I told you this is your last grill. They've brought back old school customer service at Rectech too. They have an emphasis on making everyone feel like they really are a part of the Rectech family. Check this out. Rectech offers industry leading bumper to bumper warranties on all of their grills with a 30 day money back guarantee. Man, bumper to bumper? Nobody's doing that. They also have direct factory pricing, which eliminates the middleman and makes you the winner. Did I mention that all the grills ship for free? In fact, all of your orders on other stuff ship for free when you spend 99 bucks or more. The flagship model, the RT700, that's the one I got, comes with a 40 pound pellet hopper. It offers users roughly 40 hours of continuous cook time. It also has 702 square inches of cooking space with Rectex Wi-Fi controller and that same six year bumper to bumper warranty. You can bake, you can smoke, you can sear, you can grill. You can even dehydrate on these grills all with the push of a button. And that's why those in the know choose Rectech. You'll also see they're very incredibly active on social media, tons of online resources. They go live every weekday with cooking demonstrations on the grills. Do us a favor, visit rectech.com and follow them on social media, but better yet, just check out Eric's videos. He's posting stuff all the time for Rectech. I want to spell that out for you. It's R E C T E K.com. Go look for yourself. As JR says, it costs nothing to look, but I'm telling you, this gets the highest recommendation from both Eric and myself. I had another brand, but now I've got a Rectech, and you'll see why when you go to R E C T E Q.com. That's rectech.com. Well, with that, there, uh, Rick Steiner and Lex are in the ring here. We have Randy Anderson as the referee. And uh, Matt Shanks has a question for you, Eric. Uh, he says, man, I was such a wrestling nerd during this period. How much fun was was uh, were you really having knowing that your vision was winning over the wrestling audience? It's hard to describe it. And, and partly because I was so caught up in it, I didn't really think about it much. I know that doesn't sound normal, I guess. One, you wouldn't expect that. But, man, we were on such a fast pace, like seven days a week, 24 hours a day. We were just rolling. 
And when you're moving as fast as we were moving at that time, you don't have time to think about things like, wow, how good does this feel? You know, obviously, you know, the end of a show, that's when I would probably, you know, have that kind of an emotion or, you know, it wouldn't last long, <laughs> but usually as soon as the show was over and you knew you had a good show, you just knew it, you could feel it. That, that's a, that was a pretty big high, but it only lasted for about an hour because you were already thinking about next week. You know, and once you start thinking about next week, you forget about the week before. So didn't really spend as much time basking in the glow as I probably should have. It makes sense, though. Like you said, when you're in the middle of something and just being creative and working hard and putting out a product each and every week, uh, there isn't a lot of time to sit back and enjoy it. I can, you know, I could only imagine you think about what WWE does now with how many hours of live shows they're putting on every single <laughs> week. And man, it's, no, I mean, honestly, you know, there's a, you know, people talk about living in the moment and, and being grateful in the moment. And, and I truly believe that, you know, as I've gotten older and my wife, you know, Mrs. B has had a big, a very big impact on me when it comes to this type of thing, you know, we're also concerned about, you know, what are we going to do tomorrow? What's coming next month? Where would I want to be a year from now? You know, we always keep setting goals for ourselves, which is a, a great thing, by the way, I'm not suggesting that it's not. But sometimes you're thinking so much about tomorrow that you don't enjoy today. And you get on that kind of a grind and that kind of a lifestyle where you're always looking into the future. You don't take time to appreciate the present. And that's one of the things I've learned. And that's, that's exactly where I was at here in 1996. I wasn't enjoying it as much as I should have. I probably look back at it now. I probably get more pleasure today out of, you know, as you said, you know, seeing my vision come to life and seeing it resonate with the audience. I probably have an opportunity today to enjoy, enjoy it more than I did back then. And that's one of the reasons I love doing this podcast, because it gives me that opportunity. You know, back then I didn't have time to sit down for two hours and talk about shit like this. Well, that and you think of all the reflective moments, even this year going into the Hall of Fame, you know, watching the videos, the highlights and just really having that time to finally reflect on your body of work. I'm sure, uh, you know, you finally, like you said, in doing this podcast, things like that really give you that opportunity to say, wow, I did impact this business and it wasn't in a small way either. It was in a big way. So let's catch the fans up on what's going on here. We have Rick Steiner and, uh, Lex Luger in the ring. Again, there's a show long storyline developing here about sting. Where is he? We don't know where he's at. And didn't he uh, steal a cop car last week? He may, yeah, he may have stolen that cop. No, he stole the cop car. Yeah, you guys did that watch along. Yeah. Yeah, Conrad busted my balls. He couldn't stand that angle. Yeah. And I told him, I said, everybody has a dark side. No matter who you are, there's some, you know, there's there's that part of your personality that you're not necessarily proud of. And we finally cracked Sting. And so much so that he stole, stole a police officer's car with a shotgun in it just took off. So I, I can understand why Rick and everybody else was a little concerned about sting here. And, you know, it's, it, we cracked him. We cracked him. I'm, I feel bad about that in a way. Here we go. Here we go. We just had Nick Patrick run out calls Lex Luger to the back and man, does this change the course of WCW? Let's take a listen. Let it go. You know why? What? 
You better learn to trust somebody right trust now. Oh, no. We're up trust the trust we got no way out. It's either you trust him or you don't. Look at me in the eye. You know I'm. What in the world is going on? I know I can trust you. I know I can trust you. I know that you can trust him. I know I can trust him too. Look, I'm looking at him. I'm looking at you. Everything's gonna be okay. No. That stings while he's talking to DiBiase. No. Hey, stay right there. Stay right there. No. Where is he? Where's who? Yeah, well, There's Luger. Stinger, what would Stinger be doing with me? Look, Luger, I'm standing out here Boy, in a parking lot. Right my... No! Oh, no! That's it. No! That's it. Oh, that's right. Oh, no! Guys. Come on, finish. Oh. Right. oh, we're in bad trouble oh, now. No! We're in bad trouble. Believe this. Sting has he's been, turned. He's been bought off by DiBiase. Oh, oh, oh. This is shocking. And the NWO. Nice. No. Oh, you thought you'd never see this. No. I said you can't trust anybody. You can't trust a soul here. And there you see it. Sting standing side by side with the NWO, beating up his partner Lex Luger and getting into that limousine. What are we going to do for the war games? Oh, my God! Diviasi standing out there in the rain and Hogan putting the boots to Lex Luger. do this? This crowd has no idea of what has just happened here tonight. What is going to happen at Wargate? What's going to happen with the horsemen? Everything's been planted out by- Look at Luger! Luger gets a hold of the chauffeur! Luger! Luger is beside himself. He is going after the limousine. Two limousines. It is pouring down rain. There are two limousines. Luger, DiBiase has skated. Where's Hogan? Where's the rest of them? And it's dangerous out there. It's lightning. It's thundering. <laughs> this is the most bizarre thing. In the middle of a monsoon, this is all going down. Shocking development in the world of professional wrestling. <clears throat> Devastated Sting fans all over the world. Sting turns heel on his longtime friend and business partner, Lex Luger. Here's Devastating. Here's an interesting note here in the observer for this, Eric. The angle was made more believable because they used a tape of Sting's voice. Steve Borden himself wasn't in Columbus, Georgia that night, and he's talking with Ted DiBiase about whether he could trust him as Luger came out. Is that true, Eric? You guys were so well, well prepared here that you had taped his voice and didn't have Sting there, or is that fiction? What, why, why would you be so surprised that we planned something ahead? I'm asking because this is what Dave Meltzer's saying, and you call his bluff, and you call him out on his shit every single week on this show. So I have to ask the question. Okay. Then I have to answer it. Yes. <laughs> it was very deliberate and extremely creative production technique for, to, to, to further confuse or convince, I should say, the audience that that was indeed the real sting, which clearly it wasn't. But we don't find that out until much, much later. But this was the beginning of the Crow character mm -hmm. because everybody, everybody at this point, creatively speaking, was convinced that Sting had joined the NWO.
And it was the beginning of the fake Sting character. And because all of Sting's former friends were convinced that Sting had turned, Sting therefore felt betrayed. And because he felt betrayed, he entered the dark phase of his character and started looming around in the rafters, imposing himself upon the psyche of all of those people who were formerly his friends and supporters. You want to talk about a Marvel movie? That sounds like one right there you just described. How was the Cobra, Jeff Farmer, chosen to be the fake sting? And was it something that came together quickly or something you knew you wanted when you, to do when, once you saw Farmer? No, it was something that we started out with the idea and then cast it. And Jeff Farmer physically, you know, with, with his gimmick on and enough makeup, physically, you know, fit the bill. He wasn't a lot bigger or a lot smaller than Steve Borden. So it was an easy way to make it work. And he had the talent to convince the audience that he was staying, you know, he had a lot of the same movements and he carried himself in the same way. So it was a, it was a great fit. Jeff did a great job. Eric from the observer Luger came out and the fake sting jumped him and punted him around. Surprisingly, the show went off the air, leaving the fans with no hints that it wasn't actually sting that turned basically. So the WCW executives could read internet posts all week and congratulate themselves on being the con men and uh, getting in the way of the fact that their jobs are to draw television ratings and pay-per-view buys. God, is that a classic one? Like, I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to record this and replay it to myself every week. So Dave Meltzer, the guy who purportedly knows so much about fucking television, is now burying WCW probably more me than anybody else because we convinced the audience. We hooked him on a storyline. That, by the way, turned into one of the biggest storylines of the decade because it was so well executed. But this human fucking douche tube, Dave Meltzer, decided that it was the wrong thing to do. And the only reason they did it is so they could put themselves over for fooling the wrestling internet. You fucking idiot. Okay, let's move on. Oh, we're going to move on because Meltzer's not done. Bischoff, yeah, he said your name apparently believes that fans going into a pay-per-view not knowing who will appear in the main event will add buys uh, to the mystery element. If you look at the history of wrestling and the biggest houses and pay-per-view buy rates in history, there is no evidence in the past of this being the case, and there have been plenty of mystery partner angles done over the years. What say you, Eric, to that? I say I, I, I may have been the very first to do it successfully. In fact, I built an entire program that lasted over a year using the formula. So Dave douche tube Meltzer, here's another lesson for you. I suggest, as you often point out, that those don't, who don't learn from history tend to fucking repeat it. So yeah. Maybe it had never been done before, but a lot of things that we did, I did, Douche Tube, that became hugely successful and people actually emulated even to this day. Yeah, I started those things, Douche Tube, and I will continue, continue to point them out whenever asked. I don't volunteer for these kind of Dave Meltzer things. I'm only responding to the questions that I'm asked and doing so in an honest, authentic, and organic way. Those effort answer. Well, Eric, douche, douche tube would go on to talk about the ratings drop directly after. 
To quote DoucheTube, at that point, the WCW ratings had hit a 4.2 and seemed poised for its first opposed 4.0 total rating after breaking the 4.0 barrier the previous two weeks without wrestling opposition. Uh, the nine, the, the nine, two rating. So the September 2nd rating of, of, uh, the 4.3 being nitro's most impressive mark to date since the second hour went against the first hour of the Cowboys bears Monday night game that drew a whopping 19.5 rating. However, one wishes to analyze what happened next or ignore the tale. The ratings tells is up to them, but the 4.2 fell to a 3.2 over a 15 minute period. While WWF showed decent growth during that quarter. 60% at minimum and probably more of the 700,000 plus homes that turned off Nitro during a 15-minute period simply turned off wrestling at that point. Whether the masses saw it was a fake sting or the sting turn, which dominated the remainder of the show, following in the footsteps of the giant turn was one hot shot too many. Or nobody wanted to see Public Enemy versus Ming and the Barbarian or... One minute of Rey Mysterio Jr., which were the matches taking place during that quarter, or whatever, it was a colossal ratings drop on a night when almost all the news for WCW was positive. I don't even know what the fuck he said there, man. I don't even know how to react to that diarrhea. <sighs> He's just I, trying I really to drive don't. home the point how it was a big ratings drop the next, you know, few weeks because you did this whole thing. Yeah, but I'm 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 guessing without any data to support it or any research to support it, I'm guessing that all of those people came back and continued to grow our audience because the formula worked. Yes, it was different. Yes, people reacted different to different things at that point. But guess what, Deuce Tube? They all came back and we continued to dominate WWE with a formula that went on to become one that is still emulated to this day. You know, and, and you have Dave who is using stats and figures and quarter hours and football ratings and everything in his power that he can look into to try to tell the story or spin his narrative, as you would say, uh, in this argument. And, you know, if you're just a regular hook, line and sinker fan, who's reading along with this, you may buy into this, but at the end of the day, uh, Dave Meltzer is not responsible for for wrestling, for storylines, or where it's going. You're trying to develop some long-term stories, and this guy has a knee-jerk reaction. I don't know. Well, and that's, you know, that's classic Dave Meltzer is, and not just say I'm tired of talking about him, but, you know, you see politicians, you know, you've heard the saying, you know, numbers can lie and liars use numbers. And that's what Dave did. Uh -huh. Dave, Dave and a Good lot one. of people still do to this day, use quarter hours and minute by minutes and use things that are readily available and, and not, you know, trade secrets by any stretch of the imagination, but using that information to help support or spin their narrative. You know, I would, I would go back if I, if I really wanted to analyze that nonsense, I would go back and find out what was really going on, you know, at that precise moment in television, was there an NFL game that got in, in, incredibly exciting during that moment in time? Was there something else going on in television outside of football? What was it that could have been um, the cause for that? What time of the, what time was it when that angle went down? Um, there, there's so many variables that go into that type of thing, but it's easy to take readily available information and then use that information to support your narrative. Politicians do it all the time. 
Newscasters do it all the time. Talking heads, political talking heads do it incessantly. They can't even help themselves. They do it so often they don't even know they're doing it anymore. And Dave's just kind of a low level talking head. Eric, as you're talking, the entire WCW rosters made their way out to the parking lot to try to find, I guess, Sting, the NWO, and one wrestler is carrying an umbrella, the dog-faced gremlin, Rick Steiner. All the rest of them are just strutting around. He does. It, 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 Rick is real. People don't know this about Rick, but he's super sensitive about his hair. He he really, really is. And he, he just didn't want his hair to get bust. Uh, if that were you, would you do umbrella? Because you had real good hair there. No, man, I, I wouldn't go with the umbrella because I look like a mean old dog with my hair all wet, thick and wet with my hair. <laughs> <laughs> well, we got about 10 minutes of recaps that were going on while we were talking there, and we're finally getting back to the ring. For those trying to follow along with us, I'm at 58, 47, 48, 49. So here we are, Eric. It's Ray Mysterio again. Mark Curtis is your referee with Billy Kidman. I want to ask another, we have another uh, question here. Someone wrote in here about uh, Ray Mysterio. We have some questions about the fake sting and uh, lots of good stuff. So let's move over to that. Adam Leeson says, how annoyed was Eric that it was raining during the fake sting reveal or did it add to the moment? I think looking, that's a great question. I think looking back at it now, it made it more believable. It made it feel more spontaneous. It's one of the things that, you know, I criticize often WWE for being overproduced and being so perfect that it's not relatable anymore. And anytime, especially in live television, you have an opportunity to do something that reinforces the fact that you are live and it's not pre-produced and it's not ex exactly the way you want it to be all the time. It kind of, and I know it's subconscious and maybe it's just me, but it makes you feel like you're there as opposed to watching a movie. So I, I, especially looking, that's one of the, I'm so glad that question was asked because watching it, I was kind of proud of the fact that we did it the way we did it. I would have want, I would not have wanted it any other way. Yeah. I thought it was kind of cool. And the rain coming down almost like, you know, dark and dreary. I guess just something you don't normally see, yeah. right? Normally you go, okay, well, let's scratch that segment. It's raining out. We can't do it in the rain. No, no. You actually, you can do it in the rain. And actually, it makes it more believable when it's done in the rain. It, it creates and it, 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 it reinforces the urgency that that storyline created with the fake sting. Where is sting? Where is he? Why isn't he here? Why isn't he in the interview that we heard earlier on with Arn Anderson and Ric Flair? Right. All of that stuff tied together. And then to have that storyline develop out in the rain only enhanced the sense of urgency, therefore believability in the story. Are you out there? If anybody out there is, you know, a producer right now in the industry, pay close attention to what I just said, learn from that and try to find ways that you can use that lesson. Not, not exactly, but try to find similar ways to use that lesson that I just gave you for free, by the way, you're welcome. No need to send me a gift. I'm okay. But yeah, use what you learn here on 83 weeks because we live not only to entertain, that's obvious. Come on. It's obvious to anybody that listens to the show. Entertaining the audience is a vital aspect of what we do here. But right behind that is the fact that we live to enlighten, not just the listeners, 
But those of you who are out there still producing because you can learn a lot from watching old nitros. Well, I know many of you are doing it anyway, but I'm just pointing out something that you really want to go back and look at. If you dread looking at your credit card statements, you're not alone. Debt can feel crippling, but Upstart can help you on your path to financial freedom. Upstart is a fast and easy way to pay off your debt with a personal loan all online. Whether it's paying off credit cards, consolidating high interest debt, or funding personal expenses, over half a million people have used Upstart to get one fixed monthly payment. Upstart knows you're more than just a credit score and is expanding access to affordable credit. Unlike other lenders, Upstart considers your income and your current employment to find you a smarter rate for your loan. With a five minute online rate check, you can see the rate upfront for loans between $1,000 to $50,000. You can receive funds as fast as one business day after accepting your loan. Find out how Upstart can lower your monthly payments today when you go to upstart.com slash 83 weeks. That's upstart.com slash 83 weeks. Don't forget to use our URL to let them know we sent you. Loan amounts will be determined based on your credit, income, and certain other information provided on your loan application. Go to upstart.com slash 83 weeks. Eric, uh, as you were laying down some of that knowledge, that wisdom that we've all come to appreciate here on 83 weeks, uh, as we went through your, uh, the institution of Bischoff, Michael Eldridge talked about Ray Mysterio, which who, by the way, just won that match in a minute and 49 seconds. It's a cruiserweight championship. And he had a question. I thought, Hey, this is perfect timing for this. Was there ever concern of any legal repercussions regarding Ray Mysterio's attire, having connections to comic book characters, such as the Riddler? He had the uh, old question marks all over the costume here, and uh, he's had a Spider-Man mask on before. Any concerns over any of that from a legal perspective? There wasn't then, and I don't think we ever got hit with any cease and desist from Marvel or anybody else, so... Had there been concern, it would have been ill-founded concern. Sometimes it's better to ask forgiveness than for permission. And that was certainly the case with regard to some of Mysterio's attire. Don't mean to suggest, by the way, that when we looked at Mysterio, we thought, oh, I wonder if we should run this by legal. Because again, I firmly believed in better to ask for forgiveness than for permission. And by the way, you do whatever you want to do. You get a cease and desist. If you know you're you know, really in trouble, you just cease and desist. And then, and then move you on. move on. It's yeah. not a big deal. A couple of ladies down here ringside, and I don't know if they're family members or not. Not your typical uh, Nitro front row guests here, but we're about to head off to a public enemy versus the faces of fear matchup again Meltzer was really fond of this one uh and your buddy the leprechaun is going to be uh running around oh i can't wait i love leprechauns i love them <laughs> they're so cool i love leprechauns so let's get this leprechauns are over <laughs> you're trying to sell a super serious sting angle while you get a leprechaun running around is, is you gotta break it up you can't be super uh, serious you know for two straight hours it's just too much for people they emotionally they, they they fry so you gotta you gotta lighten the mood every now and then and what better way to lighten the mood than a leprechaun? Why do you think they have Lucky Charm cereal? Because you want to start your day. I, I, by the way, I hated Lucky Charm cereal as a kid, not because it had leprechaun on the box, but because I just don't like candy-colored marshmallows in my cereal. It's just uh. fucking gross. Even as a kid, I couldn't stand it. Now the thought of it repulses me. I mean, I want to throw up my toenails when I see that kind of shit. 
But leprechauns are generally a fairly um, mood lifting experience. They are, it's magically delicious. Come on, Eric. How could you not like Lucky Charms? It's magically poisonous is what it really is, but whatever. <laughs> so what's your go-to cereal? Eric, can't sit down and have 45 grams of sugar for breakfast before you go to school and your teachers expect you to pay attention. And when you're jittery and you can't focus on anything and you're hyperactive, don't worry. We'll just pump you full of Ritalin. So you focus. Yeah, well, that's really gentlemen, good stuff. That's give your kids, you'll... give your kids, you know, sugar for breakfast. It works every time. That's one ad you'll never end up, have to end up hearing here on 83 Weeks for Lucky Charms. There you go. There's my favorite leprechaun. Holy shit. And he's chasing around Jimmy Hart. Jimmy hates leprechauns. He's got a leprechaun phobia. He's kind of a bigot that way. Melter's it's like, why, 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 why? He's a leprechaun. You have to accept leprechauns right. for what they they're are. Too. They're humans they're too. too. Right. They're just, come on. They have Embrace the emotions. differences. Viva la difference. <laughs> oh. Melter would say match was awful, except for one amazing spot where Barbarian came off the top rope to the floor and crashed through a table when grunge moved. Rocco also moonsaulted Ming through a table. The match falls apart at the end. Who's formatting the show, Eric? Do you know, like who's in, now is this a collaborative effort once again, or is there somebody that actually takes ownership of this goddamn show and formats it that we can name a name? Uh, it would have been first and foremost, probably Kevin Sullivan would have been involved. I would have been involved. Craig Leathers would have been involved. Um, so, all right, we got, we're back to the collaborative well, fuck, you think one guy sits down and lays out a two-hour show Can by himself someone sign or herself? the bottom of it? Does anybody take ownership? Who's the man? Who stamps you can't, the events? Who, who takes ownership for, for putting the car together that you drove to work today? Somebody you think there's one guy control? sitting over at Kia or General Motors or Ford that you know puts the wheels on, puts the engine in, puts the radio in, and makes sure the radio works? Who takes ownership of this car? Who built this car? Who designed it? Come on, be realistic. Somebody at the damn end has to do quality assurance and say, check this car checks all the boxes. Who's that guy? Who's that guy? I would have signed off on the show. Okay. Okay. We're there. We made it. Well, you didn't ask that question, jackass. If you would have said who signed off on this show, I would have said who signed off the show. You didn't. You said who formatted the show. That is a collaborative effort. They're two different questions. Okay, fair point, but who you had to still sign? That means you signed off on the format of the show. I already said that. Oh Jesus! My God, you're not even listening to your own podcast here. <laughs> yes, I signed off on it, but I didn't format it. Didn't. I would have been involved in the in the for, formatting of the show. Yes, I would have been a part of that process, and yes, I would have eventually had to sign off on it. Just like everything that you see, ultimately it wouldn't have made air if I wouldn't have said, "Okay, let's put that on TV." Yes, that's an obvious answer or at least should be. I've said that numerous times on this podcast. If you see it, it's my fault. Or pat me on the back. Doesn't mean necessarily it was my idea, good or bad. But I signed off on it. You know, so, we're always going to remind you of that every time we see come some time of a shit. You don't have to remind me. I already know. I'm reminding you, for God's sake. We want you to have to say it again right after something shitty happens. Okay? Oh That's God. the fun of this. 
Oh, all right. Well, okay. Then I'll play along. If, that, if that's what you're formatting in this show, then I'll, I'll play along. I'm good with it. Here, let's go to Flair real quick so we can take a breather. Well, no, Bob, pal. That's it. War games. We're the horsemen. And with the Flair sounds just like I me a couple seconds ago. Yeah, yeah. this is 83 weeks, spot, 10 years ago. I'm looking at two right now, chomping at the bit. They were dying for it originally. By God, maybe they'll right. end up with it. It's a fight to I'm the death. Yours, not ours. Gentlemen, let's get back to you, Eric. Like ours. Give me the call. Wow, that was the social media clip from you and Conrad from two weeks ago. <laughs> Sounded like you and me from 45 know, right? seconds ago. What are you talking about? <laughs> the format still works 25 years later. <sighs> so they were screaming and shouting, but the promo during this was, uh, I guess, the distract from the match. In a moment of irony, Ric Flair can't believe Sting would turn on him. Ric Flair, who's turned twice on Sting, by the way, in the last six years, is shocked that any of this would happen. Shocking. Shocking. Oh, and by the way, just because we saw a Horseman promo, yeah, this match with Barbarian and Ming, it's still going on. Much to the chagrin of everybody watching, and look at the audience standing uh, and sitting in there. I mean, this is, a, this is not an animated audience. They're not necessarily into what they're seeing by any stretch. Send your appreciation tweets for the format of this show and this match still going on to Eric Bischoff. And uh, you can you can do that at E Bischoff on Twitter. At E Bischoff. Tell me how much you love this show and particularly this match between Public Enemy and Ming and the Barbarian. And Mr. Controversial Nick Patrick is back in the ring once again refereeing this. I mean. He is all over the place as well throughout these nitros and trying to get Johnny Grunge back out ringside. We got the double headbutt for those checking time where we're at hour, 10 minutes, actually right now, hour and 11 minutes, even Patrick down trying to get the three count on Ming still not happening. The match continues. Let's go to some more fan questions while we're here. Jorge, please, please. Jorge, Let's go to some Jorge jumps in at hip, hip, Jorge. Was the fake Sting character developed after what the WWF did when they brought back the Diesel and Razor Ramon characters played by different wrestlers? There is no connection between the two, if that's the question. I mean, it wasn't a reaction to. It was, and I don't know what the timing was. I couldn't tell you, but the idea for the fake Sting certainly happened long before the announcement of the fake Diesel and Razor. He said, obviously, the fake Diesel and Razor happened after that, but talk through the differences of these two gimmicks. Well, the, one of them didn't even get off the ground at all, really. That's, a, that's the first difference. Yeah, I, I can't even compare them. There's no comparison. Yeah. All right, let's see what else we have. Some more fan questions. This is amazing. Here we go. Michael Elders is back, and he says, Eric talked last week about how the Giant joining the NWO wasn't the right fit in hindsight and came out of necessity. What are his thoughts on when Scott Norton joined the NWL? I think the biggest difference with Scott Norton is Scott Norton had been around the professional wrestling industry for a lot longer than Paul White had when Paul White joined the NWL. Scott Norton had a, a resume over in Japan, um, a quite extensive resume over in Japan. So I think Scott Norton uh, made more sense than Paul White. It wasn't perfect casting by any stretch. But it was better casting, certainly, than Paul White. Well, Eric, here we go. The Barbarian through the table. My goodness. How tough is he to do this spot? You know, let me, 
let me bring something up here because I know people love those table spots. And visually, I get it. Seeing, you know, a big dude come, you know, out of the ring and up over the top rope and through a table looks fantastic. But guess what it really does? A table breaks your fall. If the table isn't there and you end up hitting the pavement, that's going to hurt a lot more than going through a freaking table. I think the table spots are overrated. They've just been overhyped. Once in a while, yeah, it's kind of cool, but they're so premeditated and corny and staged and almost ridiculous to me. I mean, you saw it right there. We're just, we're watching it. You can see with your own eyes that all that table did was break the fall or the impact that would have been more significant otherwise. It's just, hey, but it looks cool. It looks like you guys went went all out on the tables. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Well, you know, and you you can't run a wrestling company without having a semi-truck full of tables because it's just so artistic. You and Bobby uh, kind of point out in commentary how bad this match is. It's a double DQ, and then Bobby Heenan calls Ming Haku in the replay, and you have to get into damage control right after this. What's the conversation with Bobby like after this, or do you even bring it up? You don't even bring it up. I mean, that kind of thing happens every once in a while. Um, it didn't happen consistently. It wasn't a you know weekly challenge. So um, you move on. You fix it. You move on. You do what you have to do. You cover it. It's not a big deal. And you have to remember, at this point in time, people were kind of hypersensitive to any kind of potential legal infringement on a WWE trademark or copyright. So, And I understand that. They should have been. But it really wasn't a big deal. Look at the... Oh, my God. He went through a table. It took the brunt of it on his arm, the one that's already wrapped up. Another table spot here. Yeah, this is where we're trying to bring in the ECW flavor to WCW, I guess. Eric, while we're watching the replay here, we have another fan question come in this week from Bryant H. He says, when shooting the NWO spots, did you normally shoot them at the arena that day or at a sound studio beforehand? What was the process behind shooting them as opposed to shooting other vignettes? Typically, we'd shoot them at the venue, at the building earlier in the day. The great thing about you know those NWO style interviews, at least the early ones, the ones that people remember the most, the highly edited kind of black and white versions of them, is you could shoot those things anywhere. All you needed was a a black backdrop or a white backdrop, depending on the shot. Most often, a white backdrop in uh, a set of lights, and you could shoot those things anywhere. Well, uh, you and Bobby uh, kind of point out how bad this match is on commentary. Like I said, double DQ. Ted DiBiase uh, is going to be coming out here soon. But before that, the Dungeon of Doom is talking about Conan. He's a gang member. Look, what do you think of Conan here as the gang member? This was a strong character for him, it right? Was a strong character, but, but what a ridiculous look. Now, you hear me talking about casting all the time. And, you know, professional wrestling, just like a television show or a movie, you have to cast the right people in the right roles. And here you've got Conan in, in, a, in a character as basically a, a, a street gang member. Uh, and he's perfect in that role. Absolutely perfect in that role. 
But look who he's with. This is like, this is like a rodeo clown car of professional wrestling, and you've got a street thug with credibility in the middle of it. It makes no sense to me. This is stupid. I'm loving Kevin Sullivan's bandana he's sporting here. Well, it makes him look so. I mean, he's got some street cred now with that bandana. <laughs> he doesn't have those weird freaking eyebrows painted on with a that black paint. He's looking. He's looking just nothing but street right now. He's breaking it down in the ring with uh with Mean Gene here. And they're going back and showing some uh, some highlights from last week's Nitro. While uh, Dungeon Doom's helping Macho Man carry Randy out of the of the ring, so lots of interesting stuff. This, oh yes, that's right. This is after they attacked and spray painted him yellow. Who's the big? Who's this big badass guy on the left? Do you remember him? He's oh, jacked. God, he's jacked. Oh gosh, I wish I could. I feel horrible that I don't. Remember no worries, but I don't. He he didn't last very long. I don't rem- remember him at all until watching this with you here. At this moment. And by the way, we need to make really clear here. We are no longer on video over at adfreeshows.com because we had a power outage. And we're actually doing this portion of the show three days later than when we started it. It's <laughs> so true. It's if, true. If we sound different, or if you happen to be watching on adfreeshows.com and all of a sudden your, your video is gone, that's because we lost power. Actually, Paul lost power. Paul lost power right before the big storms hit Pennsylvania, right? Yeah. Yes, and, sir. And we had to pick this up in Chicago. So we're, we're at a different location three days later and trying to make this thing sound as seamless as possible. But I felt it incumbent upon me to be honest with our listeners and transparent, unlike most of what you hear in most forms of media today. Um, I want to be really honest about this, so. If we suck, you know why. <laughs> That's exactly right. We are sitting side by side. Yeah, Hurricane Ida got a hold of, of, of our area and uh, shut it down, but we were able to salvage the first hour and 40 minutes, so there will be no video. Evan and uh, Dave Silva will announce that to our friends on Patreon, so we apologize, but you're still going to get some great audio from Eric Bischoff. Even the audio is probably sounds a little bit well, I'll try to do some cleanup in post. We'll see if you we can't can blend it. Your, you can work your technical magic. Well, I don't know about that. We'll try my best. But, uh, yeah, so here we are in Chicago, Top Guy Weekend. We officially made it, Eric, and we're side-by-side side doing this. And, man, there's a bunch of a room full of excited ad-free show members just right outside this room, and it's a, it's a buzz this morning. And what I'm interested in is you've got an entire box of goldfish cheddar 45 on-the-go packs from Pepperidge Farms, baked goldfish cheddar. They're a little like, yeah, they look like little goldfishes. I didn't know you were such a fan of the Pepperidge Farms goldfish cheddar. Eric, I guess this was the way that I had to share this news with you. Us being together, I have a a problem. I have an addiction, and it starts with Pepperidge, Pepperidge Farms. And uh, I need to get a hold of it. No, seriously, this is here to hold my computer up. I mean, this is what we're dealing with here in this back office so that everything is eye level. Why is it going to be eye level? You're not even recording anything. Well, I got another show after this. Oh, okay. Who's your other show with? Kurt Angle. Kurt Angle? Yeah, the chicken snacks are down there. What's Kurt Angle selling? He's He's selling pure protein, crispy chicken snacks. Chicken snack, physically fit chicken that's 
CHXN-SNX crispy protein bites. They're 10 grams of protein, 3 grams of fiber, no sugar. No sugar. Seven servings in here. Net weight, 6.16 ounces, 175 grams. It is a protein snack. Buffalo wing and blue cheese. What do you do? You mix this with water? This is like that survival food, right? You can literally crack it open right now and eat it. They're snacks. No, I'm not going to do that. Oh, okay, well. I'm not going to do that. I just had a bran muffin. <laughs> Nothing like chasing it down with chicken snacks. Yeah, it's a little early in the morning. Oh, really? for This is awesome. Well, I'm, say hi to Mr. Angle for me. I haven't seen Kurt in a while. I I will. We're going to record with this exact setup, except he'll be, he's still in Pittsburgh. So we'll be doing the zoom there, but uh, good times already here, here in Chicago. But yes, that's why the goldfish is here. It's here as a prop, just as JR and Conrad got into it on their podcast last week about a prop, but that prop was a belt. And uh, you know, the belt collector wasn't happy when JR called a wrestling belt, a prop. And so they went back and forth on each other a little bit on their part. called a wrestling belt a prop? It's just a prop, Connie. Wow, those are those are those are powerful words come from Jr. I wouldn't have expected that. Conrad said that's tough for me to swallow, and he goes, "You can swallow it or not swallow it. I don't care." Oh, it was good times. Oh, <laughs> we're cross promoting. Swallow or spit, Connie. <laughs> swallow or spit. That's right. He wanted to fill them Binary cheeks. Choice. Pick one. Well, back to the show. We had Ted DiBiase. He talks about how when the NWO wins war games, they're going to get their own segment on Nitro and their own tag team tournament. What happened to the tag team tournament, and was the plan to make NWO tag team titles at all? Yeah, that was the plan, and it it wasn't well executed. It wasn't well thought out. Timing became an issue, and there were a lot of other, uh, other factors involved. So it was a great idea that never happened. And it would have meant you would have had to make more props, right? Yeah, more, more tag props. belts. So this is also, Eric, the first time Scott Hall uses the four life sign that, that we could find in our research. Did you ever ask what the hand gestures meant or just said, oh, hey, cool, Scott, whatever you want to do? No, it was, just, it was organic. It just kind of rolled, so we let it go. Very cool. If someone out there can find an earlier time, we'd love to hear it. Give us the feedback. But uh, that's what we could find. This is another another reason this is a big episode. So we're on to our main event here. It's Big John Tenta versus Randy Savage. And here we go. We got some Meltzer for you. Bischoff was negotiating a new deal with Savage this past week. How important is Randy Savage to the product for you at this point, Eric? Uh, he's one of the top three in the company at this point, top three or four. Um, very important. That's the only way I could I, I, I could answer that question. Uh, Randy was still a, a very, very popular character. He still had a lot of gas in his tank in terms of what he could give and what he could do in the ring. Um, he hadn't lost any steam whatsoever, so it was a priority to keep Randy on board. Talk about John Tenta here a little bit. He's no longer here with us. He's sporting a different look. Half the side of his head is shaved. The other half is not. Uh, he's in the main event here, though, against Randy Savage. Did you have ever? Did you ever have any kind of big plans for him outside of the whole? I know it was the shark and did some other things, but what did you think of John Tenta, the person? Let's start there. John Tenta, the person, was a sweetheart. Super nice guy. Um, e- e- easy to work with. Easy to be around couldn't say enough of them. But there was no major plans for John Tenta. There was no 
discussions about John Tenta being a world heavyweight champion or being dominant for any you know period of time. John was I mean, there. I mean, unfortunately, those of you on Anthony shows are not able to see what I just saw. But here you got a guy. What do you think he tips the scales at about five bills? Four fifty? Five? Yeah, I was gonna say between four fifty and five. Uh, yeah, Absolutely. He just does a standing drop kick and <laughs> takes Savage out. That's pretty damn sweet for a big guy. Um but th- no, there were no major plans for, for Johnson. He was an attraction. You know, he had a role and he and he and he, he, he executed his role very, very well. He was a true pro. Well well, he fit the mantra of a former WWF guy, so if there was anything you ever wanted to do with him there in terms of the NWO, but he just didn't, like you said, I don't think the star power you were looking for most likely for as you build out the NWO. At that point in his career. Formidable, formidable opponent, yes. Visually interesting in the 90s, yes. Big man, absolutely. As they're fighting here, we're to our last fan question this week. He comes to us from Lopez Z. How did you know Jeff Farmer was the guy to be fake Sting? How many others were considered? There weren't a lot of others considered. One of the reasons the idea, you know, first, I guess, percolated within the minds of the people in the uh, in the creative on the creative team was that physically, and, and I'm not talking about his face, but just in terms of his physical size and mannerisms, Jeff Farmer could easily pass uh, for Sting, with, with Sting you know, being his, his total, total Sting gimmick. Um, so, that, no, there was no consideration for anybody else. Jeff Farmer was the guy. Once we saw, you know, we got him dressed, we took a look at him to see what he would look like as a fake Sting, and, you know, with a little bit of creative camera work, we knew he had a winner. As we're talking here, Eric, three minutes in, Teddy Long now runs out to tell Savage that there's some shit going down backstage. And then the WCW wrestlers surround the two NWO limos, and they're attempting to spray paint the cars. But sadly, it was raining. And it didn't quite work because of the rain. Something you can't prevent but hurts the execution, doesn't it? Yeah, but, you know, it did. But even as we're watching this now, um, it's that... There's chaos. There, it's the chaos is what we were selling. It's the the anticipation of conflict. What's going to happen next? That's what we were trying to create here. Uh, and to that extent, I think it still worked. We got Rick Steiner. There's Mongo McMichael all out with the paint cans. Meltzer, we got to have a little bit more Meltzer in our lives here. He said, I thought oh, that you do. I don't. I don't give a fuck if I ever hear his name again. Douche tube Meltzer. That should be a T-shirt. Hey, Dave Silva. Silva, where are you, Silva? We need new T-shirts. Douche Tube Meltzer. And he, we can refer to his show. Does he have a show on, like, does he stream? or do anything? He does an Observer, yeah, Observer show every Douche week. Douche Tube TV. Douche Tube TV. DTTV. Yeah, there you go. There you go. We're going to brand it for him. Your other sh- shirt was what? FDM. I didn't come up with that. That was, that was Bruce, right? FDM. Yeah. So you could have your own now. I can have my own. DTM. Yep. I still have that belt. If you're watching over, well, see, you can't watch. God damn. They can watch. They're watching along though. If they pull up our audio and watch it on their own peacock, they can see it. By so the way, I look so fucking good in that shot, don't I? I am just fucking. Where's rocking. Lori? Let's bring her in and get her opinion on how good you look here. Oh, she tells me every morning. Oh, she still she does. Told me this morning before I came down. She oh. came here to Chicago with me. We got bumping uglies. She looked at me and said, God, you look good today. 
Oh. Bumping uglies. I've never used that term. I tell you what, I feel honored. <laughs> so so let's get back to Douche Tube. He said, I thought the TV was good because of angles and intrigue, but it was horrible as a live show with the short matches and terrible finishes. Oh, do you know he wasn't there? He wasn't fucking there. He thought it was horrible as a live show because he wasn't there. <laughs> The fans live were furious. Oh, because he talked to every one of them. He did. He, he did. He reported as they were on their way out, booing heavily after the show because they didn't know about the angles in the parking lot, and all they saw were guys walking out in the middle of matches. Yeah. All this wasn't lost on WCW as, as they're going to buy a video wall and bring it to all nitros starting in January. Currently, they rent one for pay per view shows. They're going back to Columbus, Georgia for a show in December, and they're only going to charge $5 a head for tickets as a way to make it up to fans in the city. Is that accurate? I, have no, I don't know what the... I don't know what <laughs> You gave a, the old discount rate. You felt bad for this nitro. He's full of shit. Wow. When do you make the decision for the video wall and to make sure something like this doesn't happen well, again? The video wall wasn't because of this. That's the narrative that they wanted to spend. The idea of using a video wall was something that we wanted to do. It wasn't in the original budget for 1996. Guess what? We actually had budgets and we had to live by them. And since it wasn't in the production budget for 1996, we had to wait until we could make it work. And we did. It wasn't a result of this particular event. As much as Douche Tube would like you to think it was, it was not. Ah, Douche Tube. That's going to stick, I think. This is the go-home show, obviously, for Fall Brawl. We see the horsemen are out here. They've taken over the announce booth. Uh, what did you think of the build as far as uh, for this being the go-home episode for Fall Brawl? Did you like it? I did. I did. I, it, it certainly wasn't the strongest build we had experienced that year. But I think it was solid, you know. The, the Four Horsemen resonated with a hardcore, longtime WCW audience. The NWO was on fire, um, so it it wasn't a tough thing to build at all. Well, Eric, we're at the one thirty-one fifty-two fifty-three minute mark. Only about a minute and a half left. The Nature Boy, who by the way is in town, I I saw that. Yeah, I, I think I'm going to try to run into. I, uh, I I ran, ran into him on accident last night, not on purpose, right. uh, over at the uh, Marriott where the AEW folks are staying. Oh, yeah? He came over to the bar. My son, uh, they have like a bar and restaurant. My son was there, and Nature Boy said, hey, you, pointed at me. What do you want to drink? It was on him. I'm that like, wow. Awesome. So that's pretty cool. And he took a picture with my son. So there you go. Awesome. Well, good for you. Really, really fun. Look forward to seeing Rick. Yeah, he was in great spirits. He was surrounded by uh, fellow top guy and gal members, uh, Amy Vaughn and Megan Nelson. So they they had his attention and uh, having a great time. It was it was a really good time over there. But he's fired up here now, closing it down as only Ric Flair can he's with awesome. piss and vinegar. Wow. And he, he still brings that to this day, all these years later. Yeah, he does. 70s. He lives it. Well, Eric, we made it. Can you believe it. it? We made it. We got through this episode, the episode that just took us three days to do. My first experience with a major power outage, but we powered through and uh, we got it done. We got it done. I thank you, Paul. Thank you very much. Listen, we appreciate all your support here on 83 Weeks. Again, if you're not in on ad-free shows, make sure you do everything to be a part of it. Eric's going to be a huge part of what we're doing this month of September. He's going to be doing uh, a live event for us. 
as well as he's calling some fans and people that are joining up. And uh, Eric, I have to say that since the start of this, since you've been a part of this group, Man, you've been always been w very giving of your time, so I appreciate it. And look, he's getting into the protein snacks. Oh, these are tell Kurt Angle, I love these. These are mmm, 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 mm, good. These are good chicken sticks or chicken Max. crispy protein <laughs> bites. These are good. Thank you, Kurt. Thank you all for listening this week. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Eric, thank you. It's been a pleasure as always working with you. Until next time, this has been 83 Weeks with Eric, Eric Bischoff. You're hanging out with some friends and putting back a few drinks and a few becomes a few too many. As the evening comes to an end when people start to head out, you think of calling for a ride. Nah, you live nearby. You can make it home okay. It's no big deal. What are the odds you'll get pulled over anyway? And even so, what's the worst that could happen? Your insurance goes up, you lose your license, you lose your job, you total your car, you kill someone. Everyone knows about the risks of driving drunk. The results are tragic and often deadly. However, that doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives. So if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again, play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. Paid for by NHTSA. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.